Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Bring in tired on me. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, how's it going? It's going well. Welcome to another episode of Sinful Celluloid. Everybody. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Chris? I am excellent. We're Great. drinking rum old fashions tonight. Lovely. I'm drinking seltzer. Uh, I was going to ask you which seltzer. It's uh, important. To- Tonight's flavor is uh, grapefruit, bubbly. Yeah, bubbly. Good stuff. Yeah, I love it. It's good stuff. I see that Ron already, Ron of Queensgrove, greatest movie ever made. He he knows. Ron likes Conan. Who doesn't like Conan? Ron likes it. So, yes, we're going to talk about Conan the Barbarian, 1982. And you have watched it, right, Jeff? Of course. Okay. And I will start. I know that a lot of uh, a lot of places always sort of start off with this because it's kind of a thing, but it sets the mood and kind of lets you know where you know who Conan is. The opening introduction to Conan in pretty much any story. Hither came Conan the Sumerian, black-eyed, or sorry, black-haired, sullen-eyed, sword in hand, a thief, a reaver, a slayer, with gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth, to tread the jeweled thrones of the earth under his sandaled feet. See, Amy knows Conan is the best. So that is your introduction to Conan for pretty much every story. Right. And, you know. So a couple of things I want to get out of the way. Um, one, for those who don't know, Conan existed long before the 82 film. We started in the 30s, predating The Hobbit, predating, obviously, Lord of the Rings. Conan created the sword and sorcery genre. As early as 1929. Conan, does not exist. Yep. So, does not exist before him. Um, also, there's a lot of sprinkled in there a lot of Lovecraftian elements because Howard and uh, Lovecraft were pen pals. Right. And it's my understanding. Sorry. Uh, It's my understanding. It's my understanding that in some sort of semblance of circumstance that some Conan stories are actually a part of the Cthulhu mythos. In a way. I mean, they could be seen that way because they, they really, uh, they saw a lot of things eye to eye. Right. For for better or for worse, both of them were hardline racist. They didn't like anybody. <laughs> yeah, they anybody. sure didn't. They sure like, didn't. Even especially outside of their crap. neighborhood. Yeah, he was way like, yeah. <laughs> you're from the next block. Why are you here? <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but it goes into the, the writing, too, as right well. Up. You know. Well, yeah. But, you know, I look at it as two things. One, um, with Robert. 
he's in Texas in the 1930s. It just was the time. So anybody, um, you kind of have to take that in consideration because I don't recommend reading the pastiches, you know, the Sprague de Camp crap and all that other bullshit. If you're going to read it, I mean, you can explore those later if you love it and you want more. Why not? You're, you know, you have a brain. But start off with the original stories as they were written, and they're all out there. Right. Um, and then in the 50s, <laughs> and then, no, sorry, in the 70s, they sort of expanded things in, in the form of comic books. But I think they were trying to get that off as early as the 50s, correct? Um, they had been trying several times. Um, but yeah, 1970 is when Marvel Comics uh, got a hold of Conan because they wanted other licenses. They couldn't afford them. They wanted Conan. They didn't think they could afford him. So they start off with him. Then they yeah. went back and tried to get some other stuff. Thank Lord you, of the Pete. Rings, so on and so forth. They couldn't get it. Thank you, right. Peter. Um, so then they went back to Conan and found out that if they sort of jiggle their money around, they could afford Conan. So they went ahead and they, they got Conan, but they couldn't afford they couldn't afford Big John Bashima, who is the Conan artist for the comics pretty much always and forever is regarded as the man. So they went with somebody new who was a lot cheaper. Now, what the other thing that's interesting too, when yeah. sort of diving into Conan is there are all these different chronolo I'm gonna say that I cannot say that word. You say it for me. Chronology. Chrono Chronology. Chronology. There's all these different chronologies. There's there's yeah. one that I think the most modern version starts in the, or a, there's a, a modern version that started in the 87 and then from 87 on, you get all these various different like timelines. So what in your mind is like the modern one and what is like the classic one and what is like the de facto one when it comes to Conan? As far as the timelines? Yeah, all the different timelines. Well, I mean, I like Conan. Obviously, I like Conan in his prime. I like Conan in his middle era. You know, young Conan's fine. King Conan has got a lot of good stuff in it. But now, I question. Like prime. Yeah. Uh, young Conan, as I was watching the movie, and here's what's really great, folks, about this conversation tonight. I have never seen Conan before. I watched it blind and fresh with very little outside influence. And Chris is steeped in everything Conan and has watched it countless times, which will make for a very sort of interesting dynamic in contrasting observation of this film. Now, while I'm watching as he's on the wheel of misery, I can't help but wonder because, you know, it does make mention somewhere in one of the early Howard stories that he um, is aged 15 winters. And so when I'm watching him push on the wheel, because that's what happens, he, you know, we see this, you know, Milius does this wonderful sort of, you know, uh, jump in time where we go from young Conan. We don't see his face. He just bows his head down and we go from young Conan to um, Arnold Schwarzenegger excuse me, Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan. And in my mind, I'm thinking this is Conan at age 15, because even at the age of 15, he was six foot tall and 180 pounds. And later on, he would be as tall as seven foot or even more, depending on the story. He is a, he's a big guy and killed everything. Um, what do you, what do you think about yeah. that though? 
I that's an interesting thought because he is obviously young, so I can see that. I mean, the kid is top seven, you know, right in, in the film when when his uh, parents are killed. So right. you know, he he's someone who's anywhere between I would say um, fifteen and twenty. You know, if you want, if you want, if you want to go off of that, because remember things you have to keep in mind is the movie is completely, not completely, but mostly separate from the stories because there's no origin in the stories. Right. Um, There's just vague, you know, go on, please. No, what's interesting is, well, I mean, this thing kind of takes from several stories, like the, uh, the, the, the crucifixion comes from, uh, source material. As a matter of fact, they actually kind of, I was kind of a little let down by that because for, it was my understanding for in the original story, he rips himself off of the crucifix himself. Like he pulls the nails out and then like, like hikes 10 miles before finding his way on a horse in the movie, his friend, his sidekick friend helps him, which is fine and all. But like, I was kind of like hoping that that's what I was going to see when watching this movie and by the way uh mr red mr red says yeah. right here um that conan was first adapted into comics in 1952 in mexico interesting side note about that yeah the conan's rights are very very tangled some yes. of conan is in public domain other but then there's like a conan holdings company right chris yes who was just bought out by Funcom, who oh, creates about the, uh, the video game like literally um, about a month ago. Wow. Okay, so there you go. took over Conan properties. But if you're in England and you do a Conan story, you Conan went into the public domain in England in 2006. He's in public domain everywhere. Oh, yeah? Even, the, yeah, even... the key is, though, the character is not. That's where it gets complicated. Right. You can tell a Con- You can republish a Conan story. Mm-hmm. You cannot call it Conan. You cannot use Conan to sell it. Right. You could just use Conan the character. Yeah. There are more versions of Queen of the Black Coast than any other story. Wow. It's it's the favored one. And we'll we'll touch on that before we go into the movie in a moment because it's important to the movie. Um but yeah, I mean Conan is very, very tangled. You know, the Red Sonia was a Conan character and yet not. She was a character of Robert E. Howard, but she was a pirate in like the, I want to say the 1300s, and I could be wrong on that, but nowhere near the high boring age. Right. Marvel uh, Comics took the name and created the Red Sonia that we know. And the then high... they separated her. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you mentioned the high boring age. The high boring age is also interesting because. What you know, what they kind of set up at the beginning of the movie, as well as in the Conan mythology, is that you know it's supposed to that all of this stuff is taking place in an ancient time before any sort of ancient civilization. Conan comes from a tribe of people that are descended from Atlanteans, and you know they say it even in the film. You know the Atlantis sunk to the bottom of the it's sea it. or whatever. Yep, before the seas, you know, drank Atlantis. And that's right. where he got his sword, his Atlantean sword. Oh, it's an Atlantean sword. I didn't know that. Yes. Is, is, in the um, movie, yes. Is, uh, what was I going to say? 
the oh and the name of his people the 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 chimerians Sumerians, so that it's spelled with a c but it's pronounced with an C-H, s yeah um so that's also kind of interesting about the mythology of conan they don't really go into that apart from just the opening they make mention they allude to atlantis just in that opening bit and that's about that. it and yeah it's, it's great though um sp- really quick spencer um not a stupid question and kind of a tricky question actually um did frisea draw conan first um he did not was not the first to draw conan but he is the first to draw conan as we see him because conan as he's described in the stories is very lean and mean think um think bruce lee and he's not a loincloth either you know no 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 Think Bruce Lee, think um, Brad Pitt and Fight Club, something like that. He is lean, he is toned, you know, he is not to be fucked with, but he's not a Hulk. Bulk was not a thing in the 30s. It wasn't like the idea of man as um, the ultimate man. That didn't come till later. So he um, he's very he's very lean. He's very he's clad in like Romanesque armor. It doesn't look like the Conan that we know. In the, in '66, when Lancer got a hold of him, and then later Ace start um, printing the paperbacks, and they brought Conan back into the public eye. That's when Frazetta was hired to do the covers, and Frazetta pretty much based them on himself, but super exaggerated because <laughs> Frazetta was in great shape. Interesting so, note about Frazetta. Yeah. So Edward Pressman was trying to get Edward Pressman. He's a super producer. He produced The Crow, Phantom of the Paradise, Pressman Films. I actually got to meet him uh, at the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival. It was super awesome. He did this great Q&A. They honored him. Pressman was trying to get Conan off the ground as early as 1975, and he hired Frank Frazetta to do concept drawings. And then what happened was they couldn't get the money together to make... Uh, to make the picture. And that's when they brought, you know, Oliver Stone. That's how Oliver Stone comes in. He does his draft as early as 1978. He's hot on the heels of what's it called? Uh, Midnight. Um, Midnight Express. Right. Midnight Express. He won the Oscar for that. And, um, yeah. you know, that draft is really insane. And you know what got him the job? It wasn't Mid- Midnight Express. Oh, what was it? You ready? Yeah. The script for Platoon. Oh, that makes sense. And the friggin' they read is that great. as his writing sample, and they're like, "Fuck, all right." And Give here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. He comes. From, he's sort of like leans on the left politically, right? And like he's like anti-war and this, that, and the other. And then you have someone like Milius, who is who who calls himself a Zen anarchist and doesn't identify as a right wing with as a right wing person or right wing politically, but has been often labeled or pigeonholed as such. And it's sort of interesting how these two mindsets come uh, approach Conan from completely different perspectives. I have not read Oliver Stone's uh, draft of Conan, but it is, from from the sound of it, it sounds really, really insane. And frankly, it's almost like, it's almost like a cool what if. Like, I would love to see the notion and and here's the thing and here's the here's here's my little hot take as i'm watching conan i'm just thinking in my head two things one there's no dialogue 
right? Very, very little dialogue. It's very, very sparse. There's whole swaths of the movie where nobody says a word. And I'm very much reminded of Mad Max. Mad Max is very similar, has a very similar energy. And I'm almost thinking in my head, Conan is like a barbaric version of Mad Max to an extent where, you know, you have this adventurer that wanders around in like, uh, in not in a wasteland, but in like, you know, just from like, like land to land and finds himself in adventures and having to sort of uh, do things and basically keep hordes at bay. You know, it's like the same thing, but done in the future. So well, I'm going to, I'm going to flip this. I'm going to flip flip this at you for a second here um so i would dare say and i will explain it that actually mad max in the modern idea of what barbarism is that max rakitansky is way more barbaric than conan because oh, probably yeah i could see that you know i could see that. that you know well what is what is barbarism what is a barbarian it is simply someone not from the civilized world. And very specifically, you know, it's, let me see, what are the, the three kinds? Basically from Christianity, Greek, or Roman upbringing. If you were not of those three, you're a barbarian. Right. People often mistake. AKA other. You are being, other. Yeah. You know, dumb. Oh, he's a dumb barbarian. Because I've, I've, I've read, and I've read, big dissertations that have been like well yes he's a barbarian but he wears armor and he thinks and this and that completely assuming that you know barbarism is hand in hand with being you know an oath right you know which it is not right it is a disdain conan has a disdain for civilization because civilization is dishonest you know i mean we could sit all day and wax you know politicism about you know our current state (laughs) right and you know it is what it is so conan's whole deal is i am more loyal i am more honorable than you people who live in these fancy palaces and look down on me right that's the barbarian the barbarian code he has a barbarian code yeah so you know people and the other thing before we get into the film proper i'm sure we have a few more points to make before we do but um is that people assume that arnold plays him dumb because there is no dialogue absolutely positively incorrect there is no dialogue because um blanking right now delorentis wouldn't let him speak he put up the money. And he didn't he want said, him cast. No, he said He's he didn't like, want him. He in can't. It. He can't. You know the accent. No one's gonna understand him. He didn't want he, it. You know, and which is funny because nobody can understand Dean. I will watch documentaries to this day, and half of the half the interview, I'm like, huh. And you know what else <laughs> what? too? He goes. So Milius goes. All right. All right. Fine. I won't use Arnold. He crawled across his desk. De Laurentiis had a big desk in his office. He jumps up on the desk. He walks over. It gets in Milius's face and says, "I refuse to use Arnold Schwarzenegger." So then Milius goes, "Okay, let's do Dustin Hoffman." 
and and all, De- De- all five foot five of them. <laughs> yeah, he he totally relented. He totally because Dustin Hoffman's a great actor, and in De Laurentiis' oh, yeah. mind, like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is just a big meathead. But I want to say something about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I am I am in awe of Arnold Schwarzenegger as a human being. He is an incredible, incredible person, and the things that he has overcome. First of all. He is an immigrant that came from nothing and Mm -hmm. basically became a millionaire before he even became an actor. Most people don't know that. Right around the time that he's doing this whole Conan thing, he's also like heavily invested in real estate and basically he's bought like apartment buildings and has like, you know, done all sorts of business that basically made him incredibly wealthy. He never needed to get into movies if he didn't want to. But he did. And when he did, he took this film so seriously because he so desperately wanted to be an actor. He was 240 pounds. He had a drop. He dropped down to 210 because Milia said, I need you to be a little bit more like athletic. You're too you're, you're even bulkier than he was in the film. So he does that. Oh, yeah. And then Milius worked with him as a dialogue coach, sometimes mm-hmm. helping him as much as 40 times. He had rehearsed some of these monologues 40 times over before he would speak them on screen. And you know what? He was told all his life, you will never get anywhere with that thick accent. You are, you are not from here. You are never going to succeed. And Conan was his gateway into everything. And I, I just have the utmost respect for Schwarzenegger, despite, listen, nobody's perfect. And Schwarzenegger's not a perfect guy by any means of the imagination. Nobody is. Nobody is. But he is he is a remarkable, remarkable person and more American than any American, than any Americans or the, a lot of Americans that are born in America, I would say. I mean, when you're sitting there at Muscle Beach, you know, in Malibu, creating mail-away pamphlets, you know, mail-away workouts to sell. Yeah. And that takes a certain amount of belief in yourself and a certain amount of dedication because mm-hmm. people will do it once or twice and go, eh, he started with that. He created his own little business, yep. you know, and he went from there. And not only that, but going back to your point about um, being taught on set, James Earl Jones gave him a lot of acting lessons and helped him a lot with their scenes together so that it plays. He never seems, and I'll say this, their scenes together, which they don't have a lot of scenes together, but it's never James Earl Jones running over him like a freight train, you know? And no, never. James Earl Jones was very seasoned. But here's what's respected. interesting. You one thing I definitely felt in this film, James Earl Jones was doing a play at the same time that he was doing this film. And Mm -hmm. even though they did have a few scenes together, I definitely got the Mighty Ducks three Gordon Bombay uh, vibe, as well as the Sidney Prescott and Scream three. Both of these actors were only on their movies, the third sequels of their movies for one week and three weeks, respectively. And you just get the sense that Earl Jones was definitely doing something at the same time because I feel like he would have been in the movie more. And I kind of wish we got more. But at the beginning, what I found really interesting is he comes in, he's wearing this crazy big fucking helmet. It's really cool helmet. He's got this really cool gear. And immediately, the first thing I think of is he's a medieval Darth Vader, which is so like 
apropos and his name what's his name doom what's the what's the first That's name? also doom yeah cool Delsa. name too Delsa doom who is we, we're not really sure i'm not really sure what was going on with Delsa doom he's like claims to be three thousand years old can shapeshift into a snake but also like can be beheaded and like doesn't use his snake magic <laughs> like he needs well, it the most it, right like he needs um, it. <laughs> so okay um things to keep Salsa <laughs> doom was actually a cole the conqueror character cole oh, yeah? was another robert e howard uh creation oh, i did not know. know that yeah and just side note we're not going to get into it but the cole movie is yeah. actually the script for our the dragon which was like the only conan novel because it was written to be conan 3 and arnold didn't want to do it at the time so and kevin sorbo did not want to play a character that had been played by somebody else so it became a cold movie so when you're watching and they didn't change all the names either i didn't so when you're watching it keep in mind you're kind of watching conan 3 Oh, really? So it's kind of yeah. like Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, is Creepshow 3, which I think we've discussed. Yes, yes. So keep that go. in mind. And um, as far as um, Thulsa's concerned, yeah, he was, he was a Cole character. They took him and they sort of combined him with Dothamon, who was a recurring Conan villain. I needed more. Comics. I wanted more. You know, it, there could have been more, but that's yeah. how it was written. You know, it is what it is. Um also, it seems like they mixed a lot of uh, Jim Jones in there. Because remember, Jim Jones just died. You know, shit, shit went down in 78. Yeah, it's true. You know, the it, there was knight, a very, so yeah, the snake. Was I was trying to figure out what that was an allegory to. Because at first, like, there's there was a lot. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff that's thrown into the movie. Different from the 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 text, which I have not read. But the, too, in, the, in the in the movie, um in the movie there is they talk about valhalla he talks about wanting to go to valhalla he ran it's so weird he's like crom i don't want to pray to you crom but at the same time i'm gonna say your name every once in a while crom and one time when he's when he was banging that witch and he he just goes crom i i was very confused because i was like is he is he realizing that the witch was Crom and he was banging Crom, or was he just saying Crom like it was Jesus and being like Crom? No, just you know, it was like that. It was you know, like you know, God or you know, how are you know? Yeah, like Jesus. Jesus like you'd say Christ, Jesus Christ. You know, He's saying Crom. Yeah, that's what you know, it was. It's just, exactly. <laughs> but it, I but, mean, Crom is his God. He, I mean, he doesn't worship. I mean, he acknowledges Mitra more than other gods. Like, you know, he'll say things like by Mitra, but Krom is his people's God. But yeah. he also knows that Krom. Krom is like saying, oh, my God. Yeah. Give a yeah. Shit, you know, Krom is not a giving God. He doesn't hear you. Right, He's a grumpy God. Yeah. He's yeah. a really grumpy God. And that is his deal. Krom and we stole. They stole steel bothered. from him. They stole the steel from Krom. The secrets within of the steel. The, within the movie. Yes. Which um, I know we're talking about the movie, so anybody who is who knows their shit as much as I do, we know that. But we're specifically talking within the confines of the movie. <laughs> so and you know what else is interesting? Crazy. He seems in the movie. He seems a little bit like Zeus, almost like, or at least that's what I got. That's what I thought when I confused that. Like when I thought that Krom was in that witch and that yeah. sh- the sh- the spirit shot out. I was like, oh, so Krom is kind of like Zeus. He like jumps around. But I guess not. It's as you said. He doesn't. He he, he sort of like uh, turns a, a a blind eye to you know. 
all that stuff you to know, everything. Basically, Kron as your god basically means that, like, if that's your god and you want to be in servitude to him, you better get your shit together and you better be able to take care of yourself because he ain't hearing your prayers. You know what I mean? And he has nothing for weakness. Let's talk about the riddles of steel for a minute, because this was a, a, a big revelation to me as well. When we were, when I was uh, watching it, I'm wondering, I what will, is, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go. Ahead. I was just going to say, I will, I will break it down and then we can discuss because, okay. you know, the riddle of steel is initially offered is, you know, was the riddle of steel, you know, st steel is, um, steel is strong, you know, steel is everything. People want steel. Yeah. Steel will, you know, by steel, you can rule the land. Right. But, you know, we learn eventually, you know, well, is it steel or is it man? You know, man wields steel. Right. You know, a sword by itself is just a sword. Right. But, you know, flesh, you know, the arm, the muscle that wields it, that's where it's at. But the lesson that we learn at the end, which is something that I hold very dear to in, in real life, it's not any of those things. It's will. It's man's will. Oh, interesting. Steel can be broken. You know, flesh is only as good as it is. But a man's will is everything. Right. You know, the will to do what other people won't do. And whether it's as simple as you're in a fight and you keep getting back up, even though this guy is three times your size and weight. You know what I mean? Like if um like if my buddy Josh Barnett is beating the crap out of you, you should stay down after out of me, hit, right? Out of you. You should stay down, right? After the first hit. Which he just grazes you, just stay down and don't get back up. But you keep doing it and you keep doing it. It's the will. So here's what so here's what I noticed. And I I drew some parallels. Here's where and, and this is part of this is just my own little uh, theory here and Amy brings up a great point the hand that wield welds it because that's what that's what really made me connect to this so okay. the script is written or, or rewritten by Milius right who yes. is uh, you know he's a historian buff he wanted to be in the military he washed out because of his asthma and you know ended up writing Apocalypse Now which I did not know and totally blew my mind that he was the writer of Apocalypse Now I had no idea and you know, just like so taken aback by this that like this is his way of kind of like, you know, um, his of kind of, you know, doing what he could never do in the army. And even Coppola was like, yo, like put every scene you could imagine to this film. And so a movie. Uh, so in literature and he seemed like a really, really, really well, well read guy. And uh, there's a book in literature from the fifties that was remade into a movie in 1997 by Paul Verhoeven called Starship Troopers written by Robert Henlon. Heinlein. Heinlein. Yeah. Thank you. Never said that name out loud. And there is a scene. I'm not sure if it's in the book, but it's definitely in the film. And that scene is when the drill sergeant played brilliantly by uh, Clancy Brown was just a phenomenal actor. He goes to Jake Busey and Jake Busey is like, he's telling everybody to throw knives. He's like, throw the knife 
and he's like, why do we got to do this when we have when we have nukes and when we have guns and stuff, we don't need to throw knives. What's a knife good against a bug or against a thing? And Clancy Brown says, put your hand up onto the target. And he does. And he takes the knife and he throws it at Jake Busey's hand. It goes yep. right through his hand. He says, he says, you can't push the button to activate that nuke if, you're, if your hand is damaged. And the thing that does the damaging is the knife. And so it's twofold. One, it's literally the, the, the hand that controls the knife, but also disabling the hand which controls the weapon as Thessala Doom is saying. And what's interesting is, I wonder if Milius was inspired by Starship Troopers source material because the movie hadn't come out yet. Was he right. inspired to sort of incorporate that that notion well, of the riddle of steel from Starship Troopers? That's what was running through my mind when I was watching. Well Milius I mean Milius is militant. I mean he is he's a big fan, which anybody who's a fan knows. He's a big fan of Genghis Khan. He's a big fan of military strategy. Like this man that's what he thinks about all the time. I mean, this is the guy who created Rome for HBO, for yes. Christ's sakes. That was the last he wrote thing the he Indianapolis did. Indianapolis speech in yes. Jaws. Oh, we got to talk which about is, that. Yes, which if anybody ever, you know, Jaws, it's one of the top three things people talk about. If you're educated, it's the first thing you say <laughs> before anything else is that fucking speech because it's amazing. Remember Richard Reifus? He's like, I forgot to act. I was just sitting there. In right. Awe he was in awe. The combination of Robert Shaw, who was extremely powerful when he was yeah. on, and that dialogue. But it was, know? but you know what's interesting? And Spielberg says this in the documentary it's the combination of Milius's writing, because he writes 10 pages over the phone and then gives it to Shaw, who goes, whoa, I can't do 10 pages, either A, because he was drunk, or B, because it was just too much for him to memorize, which is what Spielberg scene, yeah. Spielberg was very polite. I think it was a combination of also the fact that he was drunk, but it was also too much. And so it's a combination of Milius's writing with Shaw's editing. Editing, absolutely. He, he, he brought it down to five pages and then gave this delivery. First, he did it drunk. He wasn't happy with it. And then he did it again sober and blew everybody away. But you brought up yep. Genghis Khan. And what mm -hmm. I found interesting is, A, he that was his dream project that he was never able to do because of the tragedy that bestruck him. I hope that that does happen someday because it seems like he's slowly coming back bit by bit. But um, did you know to, do you know what line is directly inspired by Genghis Khan in Conan? Oh come on! What is that? Is that is that for a five year old? I mean, I I I was blown away. All, I didn't know that. It's, it's I had no first, idea. That's crazy. It's his first line in yeah. the movie, which yep. doesn't happen for about twenty to twenty five minutes, right? Which is on everybody's fucking t shirt. What is best in life? Yeah, that's you know, crazy. And it's I didn't crush know that your was enemies. Kong. Yeah, crush cool. your enemies. See them driven yep. before you. Yeah, and hear the lamentation of their women. Yep, that is. What's best Probably, in life? Well, this sounds dumb, but it is the most quoted line in Conan, and it's his first lines. But it's great. I love it. it it's well, it's fantastic, you know, because at that point he's a pit fighter. Okay, before we go any further into the movie, which we need to actually, we should go into the movie. I think we're already but, going into the. We're already in well, the movie. Bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, very important. Yeah. One of the most popular, if not the most popular Conan stories is Queen of the Black Coast. 
Queen of the Black Coast, he's a pirate. The way that Robert structured it was kind of like Neil Gaiman did with Sandman. You know, I'm going to create my own rules so that I can mm-hmm. tell any story I want to tell within that world. You know, that's what that's why and how he created Sandman, Gaiman. Yeah. And for Robert E. Howard, it's like, well, I don't want to spend time researching, researching, researching. I want to be able to tell whatever story kind of, you know, gets my right. fancy. Right. So prehistory. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of piracy in Conan. So in that one, he's young. He's in his yeah. early 20s. And that's where he meets Belit. Belit is like the end-all be-all of Howard women. Like this woman is not to be fucked with. Wait, is, she the, blonde? is she the blonde in the movie? No, that's that's uh, Valeria. But okay. I'll get to that. I'll sure. get to that. Um, which is why we're talking about this. Um, she's like white-skinned dark dark hair doesn't wear fucking clothes doesn't believe <laughs> she wears like a corset and like that's it maybe some fucking boots yeah she, she just she is raw sexuality period amen that's you know what she does and she rules over all these black men who are her crew and they will do anything for her they think of her as a goddess and she meets conan and conan best you know, quite a bit of them, you know, while they, they take this ship that Conan's on, like Conan sort of jumps on board and hitches a ride with these people without asking. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, I'm here. Let's talk. Let's be friends. And they're like, what the, f-? all right, I guess you're kind of cool. And so, you know, they they sort of form a, a friendship. Yeah. And then they run into the Tigress, which is Belize ship. And they're all afraid. They know what it is when they hit it. And they're like, fuck, this is not going to be a good time. And they're under attack. Conan, you know, he's not a bowman. He is an in-your-face, hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, he's like a berserker almost. Yeah. So bow is not his thing. But he takes it up and does the best he can with it. Um, He takes out several of her men. And she's just like, you you're the one you're you know and she fucking does this little mating dance and fucking throws down right there right and it's all good but their relationship lasts three years never during that time are they equals ever Hmm. belit is in charge belit is it conan is never her equal he's her man she'll fuck him but this is not our crew. It is my crew. Hmm. And if you displease me at any time and my emotion doesn't get the better of me, you are dead. Period. And that's it. Um, she dies and that haunts Conan for the rest of his life. She will always be the one. Is there an afterlife in, in his uh, sort of thing? Sort of. I mean, we don't know, but here's the thing of what I'm getting at. Um, She dies. Through her old greed, she dies. And But before she dies, she confesses her love to him at some point. They're, they're, you know, they're talking about stuff after whether a million, 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 like, hours-long sex things, sex sessions. 
and she, um, she tells him basically, um, if I were dead and you're still fighting for life, I would come back from the dead to protect you or to fight alongside you, something like that. Oh, so, so that's what they use in the movie. Yes. Right. There's, I was trying to figure um, out. It was so random to me. I was like, I was like, oh, it's like Gandalf. She goes from being Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White. You know, she for a is second. Valeria. Yeah. Mostly because composite, Millie's a composite is like, character. Yeah. She's she's more Belit than she is Valeria. You know, it's mostly okay. because Milius, you know, this whole Valkyrie thing he had because he has this whole Nordic thing going on, right? That he's a right. Big well, he fan mentioned of. he says Valhalla. Yeah, they so use Valhalla. That's a big part of it, um, of why he went with Valeria. But um, and she's you know she's blonde. She fits the bill physically, right? Um, at least on the base. But a lot from her costume design, like the cut, yeah. To a lot of the, the things that she does, she's more believed. Yeah, so um, she's a, comp- it's a composite character. Very happens much a composite, all the time. Yeah, but uh, more believed than Valeria. But it's a, yeah, it's, a way, it's very much a composite of the two. Go ahead. You'll see that uh, character um, story writer uh, screenwriters will do that all the time. Where you know, if you have to to simplify things to to simplify things, especially for a, a wide audience where they're trying to get new people into something you're going to composite characters because in a book they're never compositing shit in a book like a book can be as vast and wide as it wants to be and then what they'll do and they do the same thing with biopics too right like there's so many times in a biopic where you're 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 consolidating a character because you got it, it just it makes the story harder to follow it it maybe it's not as interesting you know because life doesn't happen like a movie, you know. What I mean, I mean. Oh, it can. Um, oh, yes, it does. Side tangent. Yes, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh, yes, it does. Side tangent for a minute. Yeah. As go an ahead. example, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, that did not happen in that order. Yeah. But you can't well, end the movie on him getting AIDS and realizing he has AIDS and all that. It's a downer ending. You know, it's better to push that back by a couple of years. They didn't even so, have to do that. You know what my problem? I'll tell you something. Now that since you see, got I it totally up, feel, I sold. I totally feel. You got to remember the difference between us two is I'm yeah. always commercial and I'm about money. And yes, they did because after Live Aid, there is no other great moment that the band went through. No, but what Live I'm saying is, is they the didn't peak. have Go to ahead. do it. They didn't have to do it, period. What here's the oh, problem with well wait, go ahead, go ahead before I retort. They, they didn't, didn't have, have to do what? They didn't have to do this, period. What they should the movie absolutely could have just ended with live aid. They could have had a little thing that said, uh, Freddie Mercury succumbed to you know what my problem with you want to want to know what my big problem with, with this film is? Like they they sort of they're trying to sort of really they're trying to make Freddie Mercury straighter than he was like he was like this polyamorous pansexual dude who like bacchanal like just into everything right like he just was into everything right excess and they tried to make it they tried to there was this is what I read into the movie 
there's like this whole thing where it's like, oh, if only he stayed straight and was with the girl, he never would have. Like everybody has like a vice or like the vice scenes. His vice, no, no, no. His vice is oh, going to truck truck stops, you know, getting some D and whatnot. And it's just like, and then at the end, the the girl that he was with, that he was in love with, we we see her, and she's got a, a husband and a baby, and it's just like, oh, alas, if only Freddie had stayed on that path and not, you know, delved into uh, uh, delights that he would not have delights. the vi, you know, the, the virus that he has, and da 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 da. I just saw that was the narrative that I saw painted. I was like, just give us Live Aid, Live Aid. That's all okay. we need. Live Aid was amazing. It was the best part of the movie. Phenomenal. No, so fair, well fair. done. You I'm know, going to give you two things, and then we're moving back to Conan. Fine. Okay, you can save it for another discussion. Uh, we don't one. ever have to talk about this movie ever again. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing you have to remember that one. If you don't talk about the AIDS, you get a huge backlash from the public. You cannot not talk about it. You got to remember that that is a factor. Second of all, Queen controlled the rights. Oh, I know. Queen is protecting the legacy of Queen. This was not the Freddie Mercury story. This was the Queen story. And it's hard to do because <laughs> Freddie Mercury is so much larger than life. Yeah. You know, it's like trying to tell a story about the doors that doesn't center on Jim. You can't, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. Let's make do. a movie about those two those two albums they did after Jim Morrison died. Right. You know, they, so they, things crazy. to keep in mind. You know what I mean? It's like a Misfits movie that doesn't center on Glenn. Do we yeah, care? the Michael Gray. <laughs> right? And it goes, it keeps going. Trying to find, you know, whatever. I guess, like, their return with the lawsuit and the first Michael Gray show would be the big climactic ending. You know what oh I mean? God. As far as structure is concerned, it would. I, yes, it I guess work. if you were doing. Yes, I guess yeah, if you were doing You know doing what I'm that, saying? Who, because like... we, we got our back and we were able to return. We were able to, to beat off all the odds. Right, Glenn would turn into the antagonist because exactly. he's trying to keep the misfits from being a band, mm -hmm. it, which so, doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. So you things you need to consider in that one instance. You're right. In that one instance, that's a good. That I'm, was a good example. But I'm right. I'm I'm right from a money standpoint and from a studio standpoint. Yeah, but that so, movie is has no soul. Move, arr, arr. It doesn't. Moving it doesn't. on. Yeah, moving, moving on. on. Go back to the Conan. <laughs> I really don't like the Conan. I Do saw it. that Sasha Baron Cohen, Daniel, and yeah, that would have been interesting. Yo, but you that, know, that would have been Rami, the shit. They should have had him do he that. He surprised me. He surprised me because I only knew him from the from the Until Dawn video game. I never watched Mr. Robot. Um, he surprised me. That you know, the kid's good. Oh, he was great. Oh, oh, I I, I want to say you know, I'll say two things about that movie. As I said, Hurry. Live Age. No, I'm. I have to say this. Live Age. Live Live Aid was phenomenal, spotless, phenomenal, like hands down, mm -hmm. fucking great. And the dude who played Freddie was fucking just, just the bee's knees. He was perfect, absolutely yeah, he perfect. Was great. Sasha he was Baron great. Cohen would have been good too, though. They both would have worked. They both would have worked. I agree. Okay. Okay. Moving on now. So that's the thing I wanted to bring up about bleep in, in relation to the Conan movie. And they, I, I actually have, which I know you can't see on here. At least I don't know if you can see it. 
No, you're not going to be able to see it. But on my chest, I have tattooed. Um, and their memory would be a, a bitter tree because they're warned at the beginning of their their journey together that it's yeah. not going to end well. Right, which is what happens. It's, yeah, and it doesn't end well. Right, but they they take a ship, and it's full of holy people, and the guy comes out and he gives this whole spiel, which the heart of it is, you know, and their memory would be a bitter tree, and goes on about you know, and the side the seas would be filled with crimson, blah blah blah, because all they did for three years was take ships and kill people and steal. But, you know, she was so obsessed with with the jewels and the money, it, it gets her killed in the end. It's amazing but, how yeah. different the animated series was, well, deviates from the... It's for kids. It's got to be different. It's for children. Now, the live-action version doesn't have any excuses. They were trying to do Hercules. Is the, remake worth, do. is the remake worth checking out? Depends on who you talk to. I what do you, like what do you, it. you like it? It's more, it's more Robert E. Howard than huh. the Arnold movie. It's more yeah. Conan than the Arnold movie, but the story is not as strong at all. And I think it suffers from the fact that Arnold did it first. Arnold did it better, and John Milius did it better. You know, you have. With Conan the Barbarian 82, it's a big film. You know what I mean? It's a big sweeping scope. The sets are amazing. Everything about it is top-notch filmmaking. I'll tell you, Whereas I really like the that 2011, snake. Yeah, it's great, right? That the snake is phenomenal. A lot of, you know, it's a very modern movie. There's a lot of CGI yeah, and yeah, that yeah. kind of a thing. It doesn't carry the weight that the Milius film has. And I think that's its biggest drawback, you know? It's it, it's not, you know, I like Marcus Nispel. He's very talented, but he's not John Milius. He's very talented in a regular way. The script was very normal. So it was never going to stand a chance. Is it a bad film? No, it's not a bad film. Is it a bad Conan film? It depends. Robert fans hate the Conan, they hate all the Conan movies because they want those stories adapted. They want to see Conan as he is in the book, which quite frankly doesn't fucking work. It doesn't. I'm sorry. No one wants to see fucking Brad Pitt lean mean Conan. We don't. We want to see the Conan yeah, we want that Arnold's. Frazetta created and yeah. that Arnold put on screen. That's period. Two, they're all short stories except for Hour of the Dragon. So none of them can be adapted straight. You know, you have to build on that because it's not a movie. It's 30, 45 minutes, you know? So there are problems with the fact that they're all short stories. So, I mean, and that could be debated, you know, for, you know, forever. But, you know, I'm always going to understand the studio perspective. This is how you make a movie, you know. Uh, right. David... David says here, he, he asked about the Wheel of Pain workout, which I, you know, I was kind of laughing about when I was watching the film is that like, that's literally like, it's just like this simple visual explanation of like, he just pushed a wheel for a really long time and he got really strong. And by the end of pushing the wheel, 
he every every other slave is gone and only conan remains he can push the wheel by himself and then they're like all right we don't need they don't even explain why he's but what the wheel does like i just assumed that it was a mill of some kind that was grinding it's a mill and that's exactly what it does i mean i was like why else would they they're like we just want him to push this for a really long time and then you know he wears it around his neck he has this necklace Mm -hmm. that's absolutely the wheel of pain which is like a symbol of this is what made me who i am and so i'm gonna wear this around my neck i will explain i will explain and thank you daniel um i'll explain um the wheel the person who owns that wheel you know, taste of people who survive, and that's who he trains to be gladiators. He puts in the combat. So, you know, that's his living. That's what he does. So that's why the wheel of pain is around his neck. That's why it's a standard. It's gotcha. Owner, you know, that all goes to the owner. Um, as far as the wheel of pain workout, <laughs> two things. <laughs> One, if that's all you do, that's legs, that's arms, that's back. <laughs> That's yeah. everything rolled, and you're doing this for years. One, two, the real simple explanation: it's a fucking movie. <laughs> the second you accept that the you know that a guy can turn into a fucking snake, just go with it. Yeah, he just randomly no, turns into a snake. <laughs> no explanation except that he like worships a snake. That he's like the head of a snake cult. So you go, oh yeah, of course he's going to transform into a snake because he. Why would Why would he not? You know, yeah, of course he would what do he that. Does. I I wanted to, I wanted the the girl Absolutely. was being sacrificed. Uh-huh. The girl was being sacrificed to the, the 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 giant snake, and I was like, dude, I really wanted to see her get eaten by the snake. But Conan kills the snake before that could happen. I was a little little bummed about that. That snake oh. was really great, though. Really effective. Oh, hell yeah. For that time. And a lot, of, you know, the same thing, like, when they borrow. Okay, so here's a, all right, here's another question for you. Okay. What do Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, and Conan have in common? I don't know what. Uh, they both borrow from Quaden. From who? Quaden. Quaden is a Japanese folk horror anthology from 1964. Okay. And both films use or both films have stories or take from stories featured in Quaden. One is they really do an adaptation of Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. Yes, that's right, Daniel. Quaden. That's right. Um, the... The, there's a there's a Japanese ghost story and instead of having it be a ghost it's a it's a gargoyle and you know he can't he can't tell anybody that he saw this gargoyle or else the gargoyle will come back and that that's in Tales from the Dark Side and then in Conan there's this other story which is like so I don't know how to describe it it's like there's like writing that they put all over a dude's body uh, to protect him mm-hmm. from ghosts Yes. And when Conan gets, when Conan gets, it's called like Hochi something, Hochi, uh, Hochi the Earless. Hochi, and, wait, what? Ho, no, just Hochi. And um, it basically it makes you impervious or invisible to ghosts. But like the moment that like, like if you, if you, I guess if you rub off the writing or something that like the ghosts will get you. And we, they just totally took a page out of Quaden from that i thought that was really cool that that he sort of because he was very sort of i guess influenced by kurosawa as were all of them 
you know, especially George Lucas, you know, all the USC guys, you know, who 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 were like the the new we now call them the old new Hollywood. But at the time, they were the new Hollywood in the 70s coming up in USC. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I like that. Yeah. No, you're on to something there. Um, oh, my God. So let's back up. Let's start with the beginning of Conan. It opens with what? The sword. Yep. You know, dad making a sword. Dad was a blacksmith. He makes, you know, this sword. Yeah, and he pushes it into the... Uh, I like the the shot of it's, them pushing it into the snow. Into the cool snow it to cool it. Yep. Yep. This is dad's sword. You know, and yep. we see it in the beginning, but it comes, you know, it, it goes through the whole movie. And it's eh, arguably more important than the Atlantean sword. You know, so yeah, there's more the symbol. There's there's a lot more it. emphasis, a lot oh, more yeah. emphasis on that sword, which and breaks, he, um, shatters. His dad explains, you know, the riddle of steel and yeah. Crom and all this stuff. So he has this moment with dad, so you get to know him. Who, by the way, was was looked at. Um, he was considered for Conan at earlier again in seventy eight, seventy nine, before they discovered Arnold. Um, they were looking at him. Um. And then so Tulsa Doom rides into town with Svenly or Thorson and uh, and I forget his name right now, but the football player. And um they kill everybody. Yeah, you know, you know. The, his number two I think plays Guy LaFours in um Guy LaPointe or Guy LaFours in LaFours in LaFours. And it's well technically he's the number three. Yeah, that's Svenly Spenley Thorson, he's been in yeah. most of Arnold's movies. Yeah, yeah, that's and he's fucking great. He's so cool. Well, he's great in Mallrats. He was fun. He was he was good in this, but he's great he, in Mallrats. He doesn't oh, say a word yeah, either. He's, he's fun in Mallrats. You know, he doesn't then, say um, anything in in this film either. I don't think that he, he talks in the movie. He's not a man of lines. And yeah, he's not a man wrong of, of dialogue. She just usually doesn't get the dialogue, which is kind of a shame. Um, yeah. Fuck, now that you say that, I don't think he has dialogue in any movie. Like, he doesn't have dialogue LaForce. in... Um, you don't he, know LaForce? <laughs> right? Dude, he yeah. doesn't have dialogue in in um, in Raw Deal. He doesn't have dialogue in The Running Man, I don't believe. There you go. Dude, he doesn't talk. He don't talk. <laughs> That's it, damn it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a letter campaign for yep. Spin. Um... Wow, but he's got an action figure. He has a Conan action figure. There you he go. Doesn't have to talk. He's got a figure. LaForce. There you go. <laughs> right, Bob. That's great. That's great. Shit. Oh, he was Arnie's. He was Arnie's training partner, I guess. Yeah, they've been friends forever, and so Arnold's always been there for him. Um, you know, nice. it's one of those. It's one of those rare friendships that come yeah. outside of Hollywood. It's like and, Andy real. Sandler and, and Andy Sandler, not Andy Sandler, fucking uh, Adam Sandler Sandra. has that guy. He has that guy in um, all of his movies who was in Grandma's Boy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I forget his I name. Forget his name. That's okay. I forget his he's name. in all. Yeah, we don't need to remember his name, but he's in all of Adam Sandler's films because he's like Adam Sandler's friend. But like that dude is. And then he starred 
he starred in his own movie about being a video game designer and a stoner. And that movie's fucking awesome. Fuck it. Oh, yeah, it's a great, fun, really fun uh, movie. I like Linda Card- Cardellelli, whatever, Cardellelli. Oh, She's yeah. She's great. Well, that was the only time she was that fucking hot. Oh, she was great in Freaks and Geeks, too. I didn't watch it. I can't oh, watch it. Oh, great show. I tried, but, you it's know. It's a great show. Great um, show. And Amy, yeah, that was fucking sad. I cried the first time. Well, I don't know if I cried the first time because I was so young because I did see it in the theater. I had no business watching that movie <laughs> at that age, yeah. but I did see it in the theater. Um, my mom used to get me the um, Savage Sword of Conans. So I was... I was interested and I wanted to see the movie. I had no business looking at that stuff. Grandma's boy. That's what it's called. Yep. Um, But that being said, so he's turned into the wheel. He pushes it around for years and years and he turns into Arnold. So the man comes and he's the only one left. Well, I guess you're my champion. He starts pit fighting. Um, not against a dude with sharp teeth. The dude right. has really sharp teeth, and he bites him. And he bites him, and Arnold takes him out. Ouch. You know he has to learn. Like he doesn't even know what the fuck's going on. It's just you're here's you know you're in this pit. He gets those weird gloves and fights you know, with those gloves, the spike gloves. Yeah, you know, and he has to learn. He has to learn Aren't what those, it is. Does Gl- Glenn Danzig has a pair of those gloves? Doesn't he? <laughs> I'm telling. I know he. I saw some photo with him wearing gloves like that. I that's was like, no. no, those are the gloves that Glenn has. No, seems like that he does not. Um, Glenn has so the, a sword though, right? Yeah, Glenn he has the Atlantean sword, and then he bought yeah, yeah, mine yeah. for me for Christmas. But he, I mean, he's a huge Conan fan. He lo- he owns a bit of the original Bushima Marvel art. Oh wow! Yeah, that's pretty he, cool. And he owns a lot of Frazetta pieces too. Wow. Not Conan, but other Frazetta pieces because he couldn't get the Conan ones. Damn. But um, yeah, no, he's a big he's a big Conan fan. Um, so you know he has to learn to survive. Not in the movie because it was deleted, but eventually we learned that Valeria was also a pit fighter. They they their lives mirror each other quite a bit, which is part of the bond that they have. So, right. you know. Oh, 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 oh. Huh. Real quick. Real yeah. quick. She says, okay, here's the she second. Who... Here's the Valeria. Here's the second Starship Troopers reference in this movie. Ready? Okay. She so. says, uh, do you want to live forever? Right. Which is at the very beginning of the book, Starship Troopers from 1955. The opening quote is, uh, come on, you apes, you want to live forever, which was a real quote from an unknown uh, sergeant in World War One, and was very famously reused in the movie Starship Troopers in 1997. Come on, you apes, you want to live forever. Come on, Rico's Roughnecks, you know, Ro- Roderick's not I- Roughnecks. And she says it like a hundred times. And I was just laughing because I'm going, this dude loved fucking Starship Troopers. I'm not thinking way too much about it at all. It's in the friggin' dude. That's like straight from Starship Troopers. It's It's also generic. It's a generic phrase. I bet you there's, I bet you if we dig deep enough, we'll find the connection. I like Starship Troopers. I do. I liked in the theater. I will support that movie, but. I think you're digging too deep. I'm not digging but too deep at all. But that's besides the point. Because Highland's not an interesting writer. Highland's very much a writer of his time. He's more famous for the titles than he is the actual I, text. I will like agree Stranger with in that. Stranger in a Strange Land. 
I will agree with that. But I, as soon as I heard that and I made the connection of the military, the love for military stuff and that the fact that that Milius was a very well-read guy and that he probably oh, yeah. read Starship Troopers and was uh, taken aback well, by the line, come on, you apes, you want to live forever. And he sure inquired he it, especially this is the guy who wrote Apocalypse Now and was obsessed yeah. with Teddy Roosevelt. Of course he knew what the reference was, in, what this was a reference to. So maybe he's not referencing Starship Troopers, but he's definitely reference, uh, referencing this quote from wherever that comes from. So it is connected. And I thought that was a very interesting observation. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, so he goes and he eventually he set free there were two different versions filmed as to how he was set free one was by like an earthquake or something and then there's the version you see in the movie um and by the way yes it's all about mako's narration because he's mako yeah okay so quick thing about this mako guy i i was like that voice is so familiar to me I'm like, who, I'm like, I know. I, and then when I saw him, when we see him as the wizard, I'm going, holy shit. That's yep. Mr. Lee from Sidekicks with fucking Chuck Norris in 1994. Uh, okay. I'm only going to ever say this once. Do what? not ever utter that name in front of me. What? Sidekicks? Why? No. Chuck, Chuck Norris? I. There are a few people on this planet I hate more than Chuck Norris. Whatever. If I was he's ever inside... in a room with him, I would attack yeah. him. Okay, so in any case, he's in this movie <laughs> Sidekicks, and he I plays like it. the I've Mr. Mr. Miyagi like ripoff character, and so he's great. He's a great he is a great he's actor. He's in so was... much stuff. He was always great. Did he do he the voice always... for Splinter in in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I swear I that's him. I don't know because I never watched it. Oh, it's a you never watched the 1990 film. It's one of the I best comic the film. Bro, I watched it's one the of the film. best. I didn't see the cartoon. No, no I, I'm talking I, about I, the. I'm, I'm talking about the film. Dude. I don't know. I don't know. He does. I'm pretty sure that's him in the. Somebody film. Somebody Google that right now, because now Please. I need to know. I I really because I'm listening to the, the the voiceover. I'm going, holy shit, that's Master Splinter. And then when I saw his face, I'm going, that's Mr. That's Lee funny. from Sidekicks. I was, so I was I like, that. that that was a great surprise. I was very happy. I was very happy to see that. Yeah. So see, I like that David knows his. He knows his Conan lore. He Arnold had. Arnold had swung, uh, had to swing a real sword, no props. He was also did all his stunts. Yeah, because they didn't have anybody to match him. Which is, I got to tell you, some of the stunts in this film looked really dangerous. Like with all those pointed sticks, I, and you see the guys falling into the pointed sticks. I'm, I'm like, that's an impaling accident waiting to happen. And at 25 minutes into the film, Conan is running away from a bunch of angry friggin' dogs. Yep. And yeah. those dogs were really angry, and Co and Arnold Schwarzenegger was really fucking running because he was like, "Holy shit, these dogs can rip me shreds." He fell. He went down. Oh, did <laughs> he? he? I didn't know that part. Yeah, no. He wow. He, he went down and he got hurt, and he was ouchy. But it's the same thing that like it's. Here's the thing. He knew it was like you always do this, like your first time in that kind. You know, oh my god, I got a starting role. I'm going to give it everything. You know what I mean? And you do that no matter oh, what yeah. department you're in. I he mean, was Daniel, hungry. You know, Daniel Craig had that when he did Bond, even though he had been doing movies for years. Like, this is a, this is big, and I'm going to throw myself he into it. He was hungry. It. 
He was and hungry. Yeah, he wanted that, he wanted the know, part. He wanted the absolutely. part. Absolutely. I get it. I, I get and then it. you you pay for it later and you're like, fuck, why did I do that? Yeah, like with the hospital bills. When you're fifty five or when you're fifty five and like your your ACL tears very easily because of something that you did a long time ago. Well for Daniel, <laughs> when you're forty and you go, fuck why yeah. <laughs> you know, it was a it's good like, idea damn. at the time. <laughs> exactly. You know, but it is, you know, it is what it is. He put, he put in the work is what he did. Yeah, for sure. You know, he did. So he goes, he's, um, he's left free. First thing he does is happen upon his switch. Ah, uh, you know. Kevin Clash is, is the voice of Splinter. It's not. Ah, uh, thank you. That's a thank shame. You, thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate that. Um, he goes and he, um, you know, he he meets that witch and she's like not mincing words either. You know what I mean? Hey, do you want to come in and warm yourself? And yeah, by the she's way, she's a succubus. She was, a, I you was know. totally like getting succubus vibes from her from here's, the start, but I was all about the, it. Here's the great thing. Everybody would be all about it. Here's the great thing about it though. So he goes in, you know, they do their little thing. He asks her about the snakes, two snakes facing. Yeah. Each yeah, other. yeah. He's wanted to you find know, out that, that headdress. Great. You know, yeah, trying um, to find, track them down. So you know, they throw down, and what happened? You know, she turns into this weird wolf, whatever this creature, and then she turns into fire, and she's gone. What does he do? Which is like a an awesome Conan thing to do, and just anybody who's that fucking cool. He says, "Fuck it," and he goes to sleep. He just like racks out in her place, <laughs> wakes up the next day. You know, yeah. But he it's also great. screams out, "Crom!" And I'm well, he as did. a first he time. Moment. I know, but like, I'm no, but I, I'm having my. It's like my first time watching this film. And I'm just going, "Wait, so Crom just slept with him? Did he just have sex with Crom? Like, why does he call it saying Crom?" That's and that's so when I, like, I just didn't even register that he was well, saying, see, like, oh, my God, Jesus fair. Christ. That's fair. It's now funny. you're straight. Now I thought you're that straight. that was funny. But it's so cool. He just, like, he does his thing, and she turns into fire. And anybody in their right mind, or let's say a lesser man, would have been like, I get the fuck out of here. Not him. He says, fuck it. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> he crashes out. He wakes up the next day. He's good, you know? Yeah. And then he meets Subutai. You know, right and right the guy the dude he's chained up he's hungry he's like let me get some food i have to fight wolves later it's gonna suck so just get me some food and him and conan become best friends they head over to a market and they're eating like rubber lizards and conan loves eating these lizards he's like and who and who sold them the lizards you don't who, know who that's john milius oh is it <laughs> oh cool yeah that's awesome. Um, it's in the deleted scene, so you don't really see him in the movie. But yeah, yeah. But the dude says he's like, you don't know how long those lizards have been there. Like, you right? Know? Yeah. And, and Conan's like, he's like, ah, eh, whatever. I'll eat these. You know, it's cool. Faith, no, no big food's deal. Food. Yeah, food's you food. Know. You know. Yeah, you know. And again, going back to this, no, he doesn't have a lot of lines in the movie. But he delivers, playing, dude. He's never playing it dumb. He, and you, know you have what? to watch their performance. A lot of people think that, though, and a lot of people say that. I've I've read, you know, again, a million reviews, a, a really a million um, examinations of the film, and that's a common. Arnold's a big dumb brute. I'll he tell you never something. Never plays it that way. No, and you want to know something? Two and, things about Arnold. One, for people who do not know, and I've never heard it. I'd love to hear it. Arnold doesn't actually talk like that anymore in real life. He has like a very sort of mild 
speaking voice and accent like there's no it's barely there he puts that that accent became such a brand such a an iconic visage of his roles that he actually for years had to sort of like like ham up his accent despite the fact that he had very much naturalized into the united states but you know i didn't think I really thought that he gave a very good performance. He'd been in films before. He was in Hercules in New York in 1969. He's in Pumping Iron. He's done some other stuff. But yeah, yeah, but this is like the first time that he's actually seriously trying to be an actor and acting well, yeah. as like a re I mean, leading man. And he does, and obviously is the ground is the groundwork for his big breakout role, uh, The Terminator, which wasn't even really truly his break. I think he really he really explodes with Terminator 2, right? Like, that's when, like, everything no, just... No, before, before Terminator 2. Predator? Terminator 2 was... Terminator 2 was 91. We're right. talking... You have so Raw it, Deal, Commando. Yeah, no, that's... that's You know, forget Raw Deal. You got um, 82, Conan. 84, Conan the Destroyer. Then you got yours in, in your late 80s. 86, 87. You got your Predator. You're, you you're know, skipping you over Terminator. Your Commando. You're skipping well, over Terminator. Terminator obvious yeah. terminator without terminator you don't get predator you don't get commando yeah. it's terminator terminator's the one you know exactly well terminator put him on you know well it's it's tricky without conan you don't get terminator conan was a huge hit that Co put conan is integral conan is integral it, that put him on the cover of every fucking magazine right because conan was a huge release so from Conan, yeah. you get Terminator, and he's right. wanting to be a serious actor. Okay, you're playing a robot. It's a little bit different. And I already didn't have a whole lot to say in, in this other movie I did. So, okay. And, you know, so he goes from that to James Cameron, who, again, was nobody at the time. Ooh, Piranha to the spawning. So, but then. Is he in he Red Sonja? Who? Arnold? Um, Arnold. Yeah, but we don't talk about that bullshit. Yeah, he's in Red Sonia. He's actually Conan in Red Sonia, but because of the rights issue, they changed his name. Is he in the film a lot, or is he just like make a cameo? No, he's well, he's in the film a bit, but no, he's not the co-star. But obviously, he was the big name, so that's yeah. why in the poster he's huge with the sword and she's small. Hmm. But. Um, that that movie's fucking terrible, and that's when the rights got separated because of you know merchandising and everything else. Yeah. That's they they separated the rights from Red Sonia from the Conan rights, and they've never been back because they were expecting Red Sonia to be a huge hit. I don't know why because it's a piece of shit and it smells like a piece of shit. So she's been separate ever since. She's now the comics. She's owned by Dynamite Comics, who own Vampirella. She will never be folded back into Conan, most likely, because that's their bread and butter, and they know it. They're never going to give that up. And I don't hmm. think that Conan Properties is like, fuck, we need this. You know what I mean? So I don't think she'll ever swing back around to being a Conan property. Cal yeah, thank you, Amy. Calador. <laughs> uh, we don't talk about that. Yeah, Red Sony is fun dumb bullshit like in any case arnold's doing great he's eating yes. lizards he's happy eating lizards then yep. they're eating more meat they're talking about their gods yep 
my God's better than your God. Your God is better than my God. I'll yada, laugh yada, at yada. your four winds. And then, yeah, yeah, but my four winds in the right sky, my, my whole you sky, know, sky sits above Your God your, yeah. lives underneath him. Yeah. And Arnold makes that face like, yeah, he's not. He's like, whatever. I'm just gonna eat this Fuck meat. <laughs> I'm gonna eat this Fuck random. You for making sense. <laughs> I'm gonna eat this random meat that we right? don't know what it is. So then they go into, and I can't remember if they're in Zamora or not. But you know, they go in. And they're best friends uh, now. They're they're buddies. You know, they're hanging out. No, that's when they meet uh, Valeria, though. Yeah, they meet Valeria, and she, you know, they're all going to go steal the eye of the serpent. Yeah, she's like, yo, check out that snake tower. There's, like, jewels up there. Let's go climb it. So they climb up Let's there. Let's do this. They get in there. Yeah. Oh, goodness, <laughs> That's David. right. That, 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 I forgot about that, Amy. Talk about the woman, those slots. <laughs> Arnold says that. <laughs> wow. That was funny. That's, that's funny. Oh, um, oh my yeah, God. They, they go into the tower. They they kill the the giant snake as this girl is being sacrificed to the. I wanted mm -hmm. to see the snake eat somebody. I was very disappointed. It was sort of the backwards. Snake the snake. They're supposed to conduct the sacrifice while they're watching, and then Arnold should have killed the snake and saved the girl. And they did it in reverse. So I was a little yep. like, why? Why did you do that? I just want to see well, the snake eat someone. No, no. I wanted to see Snake. And the reason people. they went there in the first place was why? Yeah, they wanted the diamond. The, the snakes. Yeah. Remember yeah, Arnold, yeah. you know. Well, right. theoretically, then he sees the standard and he's like, this is the place, you know. Right. And he's he's intrigued. They get out of there, you know, and eventually, you know, the Usipur, um Orsric, Orric? I can't think of his name right now. Whatever the Max number two. Sandow. Oh, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. the the so, the sodded king. He's the yes. sodded king. I, you know, lets them know, hey, I want to hire you to get back my daughter, who is right. Yasmina from People of the Black Circle, and again that whole patchwork of a script. Um, bring my daughter back, and he says one of the most poignant things, which is just as relevant to a man in his life as it is to Conan is you can only have so much riches and jewels and everything else. Yeah. It Eventually it's just stuff. It's just you stuff. Know, the things yep. that are important to you are things like my daughter. Family. Yeah. You know, I want my daughter back. Although and she so, calls Thusala doom, her dad, which is weird. Well, cause again, you she's know, like, dad, whole, I was very that confused. That whole cult thing going yeah. on. You know, everybody is a son our daughter to Thulsa. So it is what it is, you know, and it's creepy. It is a great um, name. Thulsa doom. Thulsa doom. Who is skull face in the books. Hmm. So, um, that's where that whole rumor came from master of the universe, which again, depending on whose story you listen to from those two people, either he man was Conan figures or they weren't. In space, Conan in space. You know, it is what it is. Well, you know, we're never going to know if it was or if it wasn't. But whatever, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with us. So, um, yes, she is brainwashed, Amy. Thank you, King Osric. I cannot think of his name right now. I want to stick an R, an R in there in the wrong place. Um, so, anywho, so he goes and... 
you know, they're, you know, that's when they're sitting there and they're having their whole romance and Valeria tells him, you know, right. we haven't ever had anything. Look at all these riches that we have. Let's just take them and fuck off. Right. You know, why are we even talking about this? And there's the most hilarious. Okay. There's a scene of like domesticity that happens where like they bang, you know what I'm going to say? And they're like sitting yeah. there at breakfast and Arnold's like, yeah. I felt like I was in like a, an early nineties suburban comedy sitcom where Arnold's like, oh, and Boom. like plops yeah. into well, the, the oatmeal. It was very goofy for the tone of this film. The film well, was uh, not the, the same as the. He's drunk. It's not breakfast. They're just eating. And he's all they've been doing is fucking partying nonstop. It was out and, of tone with the rest of the film, but it was, I, it was fun. I can agree with that. But it's, um, and again, I think that's where people get the idea that he's a big dumb oaf in the movie. It's like, it's just, it's a moment of levity in a film that doesn't have a whole lot of levity as it is. You know what I mean? Just, I'll, I'll check my it, email, Nikki. Sorry, I have not. It's been building up. Been very shame busy. on you. Um, happens. Shit happens. Um, Why is this frozen? So yeah. he goes ahead, and you know, they're talk. They're having this conversation about, you know, what we want to do. Conan has one goal, and it's Tulsa. It's finding yeah, he wants these to people get who destroyed his people. So what does he do? He leaves that big jewel that she's all enamored with, and he takes yeah. off. You know, she wakes up. He doesn't tell her. You know, yeah. she cries. She's upset because he left, and he goes out on his own. And that's when he runs into Tulsa. Um, well, before that, he has his little his little interlude with the Peter Murphy knockoff. Yeah, come on, we can go taco there. Yeah, where nobody can see. Sure. Yeah, he was all about. <laughs> he wanted. He was like, you shouldn't be ashamed of your body. You're so you're so big and well grown. I mean, that's a, you know yeah, that was something. Like that. <laughs> you know, Conan, another aspect of Conan's personality is that not only is he well versed in languages and customs mm -hmm. from all his world travels, but he's also very witty. He's very smart. He's almost oh, yeah. like he's almost like a sort of. It's almost like He Man meets Bruce Wayne in a kind of way. Uh, if, if you want to go there, like he just sort of, he's, he's a good fighter. He can do that. He can, he, he knows his way. He is a good strategist. He's always a leader. You talk about how he's always like a robber and like thieving, thieving and pirating and stuff. And he's always the leader of these sort of bands of pirates and thieves, you know, cause he's got the brain. So he sees a guy that's sort of like into his you know drip if you know what i mean and he just makes quick work of him and yeah you know get, uh puts on the robes and pretends to be a priest of the of the snakes yeah the problem is is he doesn't blend very well <laughs> no definitely you know, not and that's you know he sticks out like a sore thumb no matter what uh -huh. and that's when he gets caught and he gets the big old you know speech about the riddle of steel and, and right whatnot Right, and, you know, Tulsa Doom just breaks it down for him, and it makes sense. And he's like, "Yo, you know, my girl, jump from this high place and end your life because I ask you to." And she, and does. she does. Come down here, and yeah, he says, "Come goes. down here, little girl," or something yeah. like that. And it's, I mean, the power that he has, he's like, "That's real power," right? You know, right. and it is. But you know, again, we we learn eventually that you know. You know, will is greater than anything. It doesn't matter how many people you control. 
Yep. If there's one person whose only feeling in life is they want to end yours. Yep. And they have the will to go through anything to do it. It's true. That's, you know, it's that's, true. that's anything in life, you know? So it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I mean, I can wax about that one all day long, you know, from Manson to Hitler to you, know, you name it. Yeah. It's the will to do what no one else will do. That's sick. That's insane. Who does that? You know what I mean? If Bad you people. Go, I'm going <laughs> to do it. Not always. Simply people who like this is the end goal. And I don't care what I have to do to get it. This is the end goal. You know, it's not always bad. It's not always crazy, but you will break a lot of eggs along the way. You know, I yeah, people I, do it all the time. I do agree. James Earl Jones looks absolutely terrifying with that shampooed Keith Richards haircut, as David is saying. <laughs> he, yeah, I agree with you, David. He looks like just you know, and you know, you've heard the whole thing. It's just um, the last, the last of a race of an ancient race is what they were going for. Oh, I know I did not know that. that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that he is supposed to be the last of an ancient race. So he is a snake person. You know, Duh. he's a snake person. He's got the blue eyes and the straight black. I mean, everything about him is different. And he's th- a, he's a thousand years old. He's a thousand yep. years old. So for sure, you know. So they crucify him. They stick him on the tree of woe. And okay, quick thing about the tree of woe. This is interesting. Yes. I'm watching yes. the Tree of Woe, and I'm instantaneously thinking about Frank Miller's 300, and just thinking that he was totally inspired by the Tree of Woe for sure. You know what I'm saying? What What part? Help me. In, I'm in 300, that in the it's remember? Been a long t- no, that's why I'm saying that. 300. They they encounter the tree made up of people. Oh, okay. And, yes, 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 yes. You know, it's not exact, but like it has that same kind of energy. It's like this monstrous tree. You know what I mean? Like this tree of woe. You would, it's for possible. lack of a better term, they don't call the tree anything in 300, but you would imagine that if they did call it something, it would be called the tree of woe. And that, I noticed that. I was like, oh, it's cool. And yes, no, they do crucify him, but they don't, he doesn't do what he does in his source material. He doesn't rip all, he doesn't rip out the nails. He get, no. His friend saves him, who he thinks is a mirage. We were going to go into <laughs> that, you know, and I will offer this, and then we will we will move on. You, again, you have to keep in mind the stories have one function, and they're short stories. A film has to have a different function. If Arnold doesn't need anybody, he doesn't need anybody. He has to fall so that he can rise up and be greater. So, hence, he has to die. You know, Subutai has to come find him. Does they he actually? He does him. die. He is he dead. Does die. Uh, he was Pretty. dead. Okay, interesting. Um, before we before we talk about that whole whole business with the wizard and the and the yeah. Quaden the Quaden stuff, um, there is another scene of just pure comedic gold that's just like so ridiculously over the top and like goofy Bes- and wonderful. This, besides the dude no just the guy yeah, well that guy to... is a very goofy dude he's a goofy sidekick guy but he's great no what's great is this pu- puppet vulture is eating arnold and oh. then arnold pretends to be like not noticing or whatever and then turns out ah he fucking monkey shines 
he monkey shines this fucking vulture for anybody who hasn't seen monkey shines spoilers on a 25 what a 30 sorry 32 year old film fuck you if you haven't seen monkey shines yet at the end this paraplegic uh protagonist uh d uh ends up defeating the the evil monkey by grabbing it in his mouth and shaking it like a baby, like and, a baby. Arnold, and arnold arnold grabs this vulture in his mouth and he's just going mad dog you know, <laughs> and you know that vulture was a real stuffed vulture oh i bet I yeah bet. so he he was afraid he was going to get sick after biting into that one but again i, I appreciate like we talked dedication. about earlier yeah you know that throwing yourself into it you know Man, i really no, want to do no, a great no, no. job <laughs> you know you didn't have to bite it right it's a movie <laughs> oh, i love that I, I really did it was like i probably could have rewound that a, a bunch of times it's it's some good stuff you know what it's it reminded me stuff. of too was like you know, I I sort of envisioned this film. I was like, who who else would you swap out in in Milius and Arnold Schwarzenegger? And I immediately thought, what if Warner Herzog directed this film and Klaus Kinski played Conan? It would be absolute insane. It would be batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. It'd be no. awesome. It'd be awesome. I would love to see Kinski Warner now Herzog. wave Fuck. your sword in the air amongst the birds. That's no, you know, <laughs> take that back. I got no. a better. I got a better Conan for you. Okay, fine. Give me a down one. this crazy, batshit crazy, yeah, okay. fucking world. Yeah, go ahead, give it to me. Oliver Reed. Oh my God, that's phenomenal. Of course, that it is, is it. with Ken with Ken <laughs> Russell with Ken Russell. No, because Ken Russell's too fucking no. No, yeah, crazy. reunite them Oliver from the Reed devil's not need... Hold on. Yeah. Here's first of all, Ken Russell can't tell a cohesive story. He's about weird visuals. Oliver Reed doesn't fucking need anybody. No, he doesn't. You can put you can put the yeah. most safe director in the world in He's, charge of Conan. Oliver, Oliver Reed Reed's would gonna show up, rush that shit. It would be so boss. Fuck up. And that that was a good that was a good pull, dude. That was a good pull. As a matter of fact, you kind of wonder like why isn't Oliver Reed in this film in some way, shape, or form? Period. Well, like, he here's here. Okay, really quick tangent, and no, we're not discussing it. Really quick story. Oliver Reed was supposed to be the bad guy in Cutthroat Island. He was hired. He was on set. They that were prepping for his yeah. first day. Yeah. He's, I don't even think he's drunk. I'm sure he had a couple of drinks. Oh, yeah. He had a booze problem. He's standing there. Yeah. And he's like, I'm looking at the sea, and the camera's coming from behind me, and I'm just, I'm standing there, and I'm shaking, and I'm gyrating. And then you realize that I'm jerking off. <laughs> I'm playing with my dick because I love the sea so much. And then, now mind you, Renny Harlan's right here in his face, already not amused. And then I come and he spits in his face. <laughs> Alcohol, I am assuming. <laughs> yeah. And hence, <laughs> Frank Langell. <laughs> I, you know, I'm trying to remember where did I there was a, what is this from where like it's a character going to another character and he goes, imagine now 
that the wind is blowing in your face. He tells him to close his eyes as he's trying to get him to picture something. He goes, now pretend the wind is blowing in your face. And he's like blowing in the dude's face. And then he does the same thing with the spittle. He's like, and the sea breeze is, 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 is kissing the skin on your forehead. What is that from? That's from something. I don't know, but it's fucking familiar. That right? Um, That's very familiar. I, I'm oh, trying to remember yeah. what that is. I That's mean, Oliver movie. Reed. I mean, alcohol personified. I think is unfair. It's kind of like Jim Morrison wasn't always drunk. He's just he was a drunk but dude. He was when a drunk. he was drunk, he was drunk, and he was drunk a lot. Robert but, Shaw too. Robert Shaw. Well, too. yeah, but just like Robert Shaw, he would come to work and he knew his shit and he could do his job, but he'd do it drunk. And he did not give a fuck. I mean, this, I mean, outlandishly mad. You know who else was like that? Nico Williamson, Merlin from Excalibur. Just that a Excalibur party, party drunk. Fucking great film. Helen Mirren. So, and oh, God, yeah. You know, uh, Daniel says something here, real quick. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm looking at it. I read about that. I, I read about that as well. That this was, this was when Oliver Stone was involved with the film, I think. Or maybe it was even well, earlier that with was his, That was his idea. Yeah, and sort of like Leonardo making was like a on Bond board, thing. I mean, yeah. everybody was on board for that. But basically what happened in a nutshell is that Conan Destroyer was a failure because the studio's like, we made a shitload of money. We can make 30% more if we make this a PG movie. Hence, Conan the Destroyer got toned down immensely. Arnold wasn't happy. No one was happy. And it ended up making 30% less than Conan the Barbarian did with an R rating. And but Conan is it. Conan is essentially a barbaric James Bond in this yeah, movie. I can, he, I he can you know, that. I mean, literally, like, that is literally what Conan is. Like, you know, which, so it, it, it all, it all adds up. It yes, all absolutely. makes sense, you know. Um, now, where were we in the story? I'm trying to remember. Um, so, he you know he dies they bring him back they do the whole the whole writing and the things because the demons are going to come for him they're going right. to come to take his soul right and that's when valeria makes the pact with mako you know do whatever right. you have to do to you know with the and gods they do the quade and save his yeah. life yep you know and and you know he says there'll be a price and she's like i'll pay it Snake, you know, and snake that sets up arrows. <laughs> yep, that sets up the the whole final act. Right. Um. Now, I need to excuse myself for a second because I need to visit the little Conan's room. That's okay. But, I'm gonna. I have something I want to talk about real quick related to Conan. So you go do that. I hope so. <laughs> I'm gonna fill some dead air here. Okay. Go so there's that. a scene that we did not talk about Which earlier scene? on. In no, go to the little Conan's room. I'll, I'll oh, fill you in. Now I'll I have to you. watch it on rewind. All uh, right. No, I'll tell you. I'll fill you in when you get back. We'll we'll talk about it again. Uh-huh. So basically, what happens is um, Conan is hanging out with his sidekick buddy, and he um, turns and sees a camel. I'm assuming for the first time, and just punches the camel in the face, and the camel drops like a sack of potatoes. And again, it's just a friggin' hilarious moment where, like, <laughs> it just turns around and just decks this camel right in the friggin' face. It's pretty friggin' funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, if he dies, you follow. Um, it's pretty fucking funny. I just like seeing him get him popped, popped by a camel. 
popping a camel. And then later he has to ride a camel as well, you know? Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think that's I think that's really the way to... Yeah, it's the little barbarian's room. I think that's the way to view Conan as just like a barbarian, a barbaric James Bond, right? That's what... That's how you have to look at it, I think. Um... David says everything that was extremely violent, extremely violent turned PG Mad Max Conan expendables that either added kids or bodies don't even bleed. Mad Max three has a Looney Tune explosion. It's true. It does. It does. Uh, Iron Bar does sort of like he's like covered in black soot in the front of the train. But at the same time, Mad Max three, Th Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is a friggin' awesome movie and the first 30 or so minutes before they go to the crack in the earth before we see the kids that movie that movie is just like bananas it's a western it's like a western post-apocalyptic neo-noir with mixing political intrigue thriller you know he wanders in as like the man with no name into a town looking for his missing stuff gets caught up with the mayor of this town who says, I want you, I want to hire you as a hitman, and you have to do it in a place called Thunderdome because that's how we settle things in the apocalypse. It's just such like, uh, it's great. It's really, 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 really great. And, um, and then, yeah, we do get the thing about the kids, but you know what the kids are in that film? The kids are hope. The kids are hope. The kids are the future because those movies are not. It's the same thing with the Road Warrior. The the, the feral kid is also sort of a, like a sign of the future. He turns into the the chief of the great northern tribe, you know. And to bring this all back around to Conan, one hundred percent, Mad Max is like the future version of Conan. Like they they operate in similar sort of worlds. So the notion of of Oliver um, Stone wanting to do a a post-apocalyptic version of Conan would be great. The set design would be great. It would work. It, it would really, really work. Walker. Here's Chris. He's back. All right. You want to hear? Tell you lies. Okay, you want to hear what I was saying? Okay. It's the scene where he punches a camel in the face. Okay, what about it? Nothing. We just didn't talk about how he punches a camel in the face, and it's awesome. It's great. He just punches. He turns around. It's like he's never seen a camel before, and he just punches it right in the face, and it just collapses, and it's just, like, funny. I don't know. It was, it was like a moment of physical comedy that I was so random to me. I was not expecting him to punch a camel in the face and for the camel to drop. And it was funny. Fair, fair, fair. You know, it's a movie, right? <laughs> yeah, but you can't say, you can't go back and forth between talking about some fantastical element of a film and then saying it's, you know, it's a movie, right? Of course we know it's a movie. I feel like that's like the, that's Wait. like the lowest commas denominator. We know it's a movie, but we're talking Some about. Some people think within... that shit's real. Yeah, but we know that it's not real. We're just talking about it because that's what we do. We talk about movies on here. So it's like, you know. No, but remember, this is for all the people who don't know. 
Um, this is for the greater audience. Sometimes you have to remind them of certain things, even though. Yes. Um, and with that, David says, wasn't a guy banging the camel? Not the camel. I think it was the llama or the sheep. But yeah, <laughs> watch it. <laughs> watch it again, Jeff. During that scene, pan to the left. There's some, there's some shit going on. Really? <laughs> It's implied heavily. Yeah, Neon Knees, you know what's up. Mad Max 3 is what's up. It's freaking great. And more people need to just learn to appreciate it for what it is. And it's a great freaking film. Garbage? No, it's not garbage. I was just talking about how wonderful it is. And George Miller did, yes. He lost interest halfway through because Byron Kennedy, who was the producer on the first two Mad Max films, was killed. And they had to get someone else in to sort of pick up the slack. George Miller continued to direct, but he only did the the action vehicle stuff and all of like the, the scenes, the dialogues, whatever, the, the scenes of the story were done by this other director who was not, is good but that's what happens you know it happens in third movies hey you know hey personal tragedy does not alleviate you from your responsibility to not tell a shitty movie um i we're disagree never gonna, we're never gonna agree on this oh 100 fuck kids and fuck that movie well i know but what you just said i 150 percent disagree with about the personal tragedy thing it's because i don't have a heart and the work comes. I mean, first. what happened? What happened to Zack Snyder was totally understandable. Like him, like what did he quit? Walking, on? he quit on. He left Justice League because of what happened to his daughter. I mean, that was absolutely insanely tragic and sad. And like no one could expect him to sort of continue on, whether he wanted to or not. Like he was just in like. I mean, what happened was, in, I mean, that's a nightmare, you know? So you shut, you shut the movie down. And you can't, you can't shut, back. can't, can't do that. I mean, that sucks, well, he, but you can't but do that. He doesn't have the power, you know, again, we're never going to agree on this because I can't see eye to eye on it. I don't have kids. I will never have kids. I can't see it. But it doesn't even I matter. But we're not, I don't get it. But John, George it. Miller, but George Miller had nothing to do with his kids. It had to do with his producing partner. I can't you know? do it for anybody. To me, your kids should be the most personal thing to you other than your partner. Yes, true. I can't see it. Can't well, see it. That's the only thing I could shut down for it. Yeah, but again, it's because I'm damaged and I know I'm damaged. Like I would shut down for the cat. I could see that. So there you go. I can relate. So to. then then relate, it's an animal. Then relate I, through that. There you well, go. yeah, but it's an animal. You can't tell me your kid died. You know what I'm going to say? Make another one. They're fun to make. Yeah, you know you want to fucking laugh because it's funny. I'm but not, also, no, I really I'm, do feel that I'm way. I saw, I saw the fucking laughing. smirk. That, yes, that was that was definitely a smirk. <laughs> you are absolutely right, but it was they're not fun a humorous smirk. And one. they're free. <laughs> oh, they're definitely not free. <laughs> They're free to make. The bill comes later. Yeah, they're like they're fucking free. COD. They are free to make. That is true. Yes. So anyway, hey, Conan. Hey, Christmas presents. We can go on all day on my anti-child thing. Christmas presents. Oh. I I wouldn't know anything about it. 
I'm just, not. No, just we don't do Christmas them, presents. Just give them to other people for Christmas. Oh, 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 oh! I see what you're saying. Well, don't you know, you listen. Like if this was the 1800s, service? that might be more realistic. You could do it today. You just have to run right circles. Oh my oh, God. I'll okay. So anyway, Conan. What up? What What else happens you're, in Conan? You're never gonna listen to this down. Don't play this for the misses, right? What What else What <laughs> else happens in trouble. Conan? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you tell me what else happened. What's well, the next part of Conan? Okay, so they decide they're supposed to go literally save the princess. That's it. That's where Supatai is. That's where Valeria is. And they tell Conan, look, Thalsa Doom, another day. Today is about this. He never gives them an answer. They go. And this is the big orgy scene and one of the best pieces of music in that whole score, which the whole score, which we haven't even talked about yet, is amazing yeah, and often considered score. one of the greatest scores of all time. It's that okay. score is fucking great. It's you okay. need to listen to it again. That I, score I mean, no, it's is okay. amazing. It, it worked for the movie. It was good. It works outside the movie. You need to play that shit. I'll tell you, you know what has a really great score? Mad what? Max. The Mad Max films have really great scores, too. I mean, really, every single one of them. The first one is great. The second one is great. I can't remember the third one because Tina Turner fucked it all third up. One is, third one is probably the weakest of them all. But, but I mean, Mad Max Fury Road is, like, fucking phenomenal. No, that one is exceptional. That was a good one, I'll give too. you that. Yeah. And so am I what? So Matthew. you what? I don't know what you're I talking about. He said, and so, and so are you, Cellulite, but and so am I what? I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, the, there's an or, shit, there's an orgy there's an orgy Drunk, going yes. on. And yeah, so orgy's going on. They break in. This is when they put on the Doom's not at game. the orgy though. There's no there's no orgy with Doom. Well, he's I didn't not see him there. He's he's there. He's not partaking. Yeah, he has an orgy with snakes. He probably just, was in the snake. He's just in there chilling, being cool because that's what he does. Since I got a snake, I got the you know I got the princess. I'm good. Um, you know, they go in with their great paint. See, AB knows what's up, uh, as usual. Um, so they go in, you have this amazing scene, and this is where we see Thulsa Doom actually turn into a snake, yeah, for the, like one and only time. <laughs> oh, that's right, so he, is cool. he is there, he is there, yeah, but he's not, he's not, um, but he's not in, he's, he's not, not in the origin of the party. No, he's just like sitting there, and all of a sudden his face starts like pushing out. I'm like, is he going to turn into a horse? It was, and I was awesome. like, nope. Yeah. He turns into a snake. <laughs> and they stole that for the sword and the sorcerer after that because it was so fucking cool. Like, right. And a, I mean, we need a man transforming. Scene. We didn't even discuss, you know, uh, one thing that Conan did that just kept happening through the rest of the 80s was just they kept churning out these Conan knockoff films that would, you had Don. Don, what's his face um, from Phantasm did one. You, you had all these guys doing these these movies and they're recycling footage over like the and Beastmaster. Over. Yeah, the Beastmaster series recycles footage, like blatantly recycles footage a yeah. whole bunch. It just keeps happening. Um, pretty funny. Pretty crazy. Some of, them, some of them are a good time and some of them are fucking horrible like the Barbarian Brothers. I mean, you know. No thank you. It is what it is. Sword <laughs> of no Sorcerer is a lot you. of fun. Um, but none of them had the scope and the craftsmanship that this did. Yeah. 
and that's just it is what it is um so they go um they're supposed to save the princess that's the idea right the second they get the chance they attack they kill as many people as they can you know in the cutscenes, right. i mean conan's killing naked chicks left and right i mean everybody oh fucking die if you're there you need to go because <laughs> we have one thing to do um but they get yasmina they take off and yeah. then what happened Thulsa, you know has his arrows which are awesome he takes a snake and through his magic you know makes it straight yeah, as a get... board and shoots it yeah, makes yep. like a snake boner that he turns mm-hmm. into an arrow. He fires the snake boner right into Yes, they Valeria. are, Matthew. Right into Valeria. She takes the hit, and she dies right there. And that yeah. is the price she paid to bring him back, you know? Yeah. So Valeria is now dead. Um, for which, sort of. of course, she doesn't die in the... Um, she doesn't die in, in... Well, she's only in one story, you know? It, you know, again, the Conan stories were all short stories, so you know, right? You didn't have a whole lot of recurring characters. People were like Valeria from all the stories, yeah, like one, yeah. <laughs> Red Nails. Um, so she's gone, and that propels. Now he's got one more thing that he's lost to Thulsa Doom. You know, he's lost his first love. He's lost his family. He's lost his, his mom, people. his dad. You know, he's lost everything to this person. It only strengthens his resolve. So they right. know that they're going to come for him. So they set, you know, they set up for a final battle, you know, at the mounds of the dead. Right. And so you have, you have Mako, like, <laughs> along, he brings them all this armor. Yeah. Like, hey, I found this on some dead, dead people. Bodies, yeah. You know? and they, my gods they are cool them. with it. Yeah. My gods think it's cool. Go ahead. And it's great. It's, yeah. you know, they, they set up and they're ready. And that's where in the extended version, which is only available for the U.S., it's only on the DVD. The special collector's edition DVD has that extended scene. The Blu-ray does not. Um, the Blu-ray is a different cut, though. You have the original DVD, uh, which is, you know, basically a transfer from the VHS. That was the theatrical cut. The Blu-ray is an extended cut, but does not include that scene. And the ending is different. Isn't that infuriating when, when all this shit happens? And it just always happens this way. I don't know. I have fucking all three. So, you know, each cut is different. And I'm not sure which cut is on Amazon. Yeah, but Prime. if you want to have, if you want to do the extended mall hours cut of, of Dawn of the Dead, you can't do it officially. You have to like, you know. You have to find. Well, you can decide. Universal you can pick your poison. Want to do it? They have it. They have all the footage. They just have to want to do it. Yeah, but there's no official to... version of the movie like that. There's no. Well, they... No. No, but you can cut your own. You know the differences yeah. are ever so slight. Although I don't know why the what in Dawn of the Dead. Between... No, I'm talking about Conan. It's Conan. Oh, oh, I don't oh, talk oh, about oh. Dawn of the Dead. There's only one cut of Dawn of the Dead, and you know how I feel about it. It should be just the Dario Argento cut. Because that movie's too fucking cuts long. out cuts out eighteen minutes of the first like this whole because act. it's too fucking no, worried. You, you Fuck have no dude. idea what's going on. You have no Fuck idea what's that going guy. on. Hey, You're like wait, be- they they haven't even I parked the this. first truck yet. Don't have to. Don't have to. You, of course, you say, have to park the first truck. I will truck. say this: George Romero <laughs> did some good stuff. He's not a god. Tolkien created a whole world. 
good stuff. Not a God. Mary Shelley, same thing. All these people, what they wrote was not perfect. What they created was not perfect. It can always be improved upon. Conan is not perfect. It can be improved upon. Most definitely. So, yeah. Dawn of the Dead, too much. Too much. So, with that, of course not, because you suck George Romero's dick. No one is perfect. Moving on. So, they go ahead. They set up for battle. Here comes Tulsa with his army. And, you know, so they have their little speech, you know, about... Yeah, he's telling Crom. He's going, Crom. No, no, forget. You didn't see the speech. Him and Subutai have a conversation. Oh. Yeah, no, they talk. And basically, that's Arnold's big monologue, you know. What is this life for? So many nights, so many days, so many winters spent for what? Basically, you know, what is this all for? What were we doing with our lives? And does it even fucking matter? You know, basically what matters is what we have now that, you know, we stood against an army and that's what's going to be remembered. But in the end, is any of it really worth it? That's what he's, him and Supertire are talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. And Zubatai is like, you know, it doesn't matter what else happens in this life, you know. Like tomorrow I could be somewhere else doing something else and it's not going to mean anything as much as this moment here. So, you know, they have their their connecting moment and their reflection. And then the battle starts. So the battle goes on, you know. They have all these traps set up and all kinds of cool stuff. And, you know, they... They're doing they're doing all right. Very predator before predator came out. Like yes. very similar sort of scene, which maybe even very Shane Black call. Shane Black might have even like been watching that with Arnold and being like, hmm, I should add that to my predator script. You know what I'm saying? It's good. It was definitely felt like a proto, like a proto version of that scene, you know? No, I absolutely agree. Um Thank you, Peter. And Matthew not talking shit, simply saying anybody's first novel is not going to be the best thing ever she's 18 you don't know yet you just don't know yet like anybody's first film is generally not their best unfortunately (laughs) a lot of times their later films are not as interesting as their first films and then you get stuck (laughs) it can go either way it it goes both ways you know like donnie darko is fantastic everything he's done since is garbage and nobody cares so, you know, it just depends. People's first film, usually they have something to say they've been trying to say for years. So they've really honed it. Kind of like a first album is so good. Sophomore album. Eh. Because, you know, you've had years mm, of building more, that catalog up. Again, that's it's a more, that's, that's more subjective. But the, I, the it, it definitely applies to film more than it does, I think, to music. I There that's are... Fair. A that's lot true. of incredible sophomore albums. Well, but yeah, yes, but there are also a lot of possible. sophomore albums that are terrible. It, it, it really, it's so subjective. It, oh, yeah. Well, for, it's, for music. it's album to album. I think it's real, not yeah. even album to album. It's very band to band. You know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah. No, it's totally band to band. You can't, I feel like you can't, but I, I, you can make more of a broad general statement about film that way. I feel like with music, it's just a lot harder. It's no, just that's so fair. much harder, you know? That's fair. Matthew's throwing out Night of the Living Dead, you know. Yeah, it's a fucking masterpiece. You think it's a masterpiece. It's, Dude, it is a masterpiece. You know what I'm going to say. Do I like it? Yes. 
do I watch it? Yes, I do. It's a masterpiece. But it is a product of its time. Oh my god, it's, it's like kinda, one of the most contemporary is. films of right now. It's so If the reason edge, that dude. movie is important is because it hit at the very right time. They had a it, black it is... guy in the lead at the right time. It's no different than you know who I'm going to say, Jordan Peele. Only George Romero is much more talented um, than Jordan Peele. I you know, I I and I love I love 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 Get Out, but I disagree. I don't think that that applies to Jordan Peele. I think you are right. I think that they ca- the casting they cast at the right time in the right way. Although, like I said, it's something that has it's a it's a theme that has reemerged as it becomes a current topic, which it does from time to time, from decade to decade, when something happens and then suddenly that movie gets thrust back into the zeitgeist in that way because it brings out these universal concepts and it all came from casting because that yeah, context, that context, beca- that, yeah, but that context get, becomes there because all of a sudden, all of this tension, you immediately, you go, well, wait, that's a black guy and that's a white guy. So now the tension is, uh, takes on a whole new meaning, whether you want it to or not, or not. simply it, because that's the thing of I that. like about it. Is that yeah. it wasn't on purpose? It was simply yeah, and it was best not on purpose. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas, and that was, and I always Jordan respected. Peele, it's always on purpose. Well, it's I really always respected the social political wave. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You I, really no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. I always respected George for being able to admit that in interviews and be like, "No, we weren't trying. We just we use just the best guy for the job. Like he wasn't exactly. trying it wasn't to a statement because they always do that, you know. But what we but... trying to do with this, uh, finish the movie. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't mean that those statements weren't there as with art, right? When you create well, art, no. you can create there can people find meaning in your art that you didn't intend. And in that case, there's all sorts of meaning in Night of the Living Dead that they didn't intend. And for that, it is a masterpiece. Doesn't mean that George Romero specifically made it a masterpiece for that reason. In fact, you could almost argue that like it's it's what Dwayne uh, John, uh Dwayne uh, what's his Jones. last name? Jones. Yeah, thank Jones. you. D- Dwayne Jones and Carl Hardman what they're doing as those a- imposing characters. And the thing is, you know, everybody wants to say that Harry we'll, we'll go back to Conan in one second. Everybody wants to say that Harry Cooper is the bad guy. He's not the bad guy in the film. He's an antagonist. He's it's different. He is the opposing force to Ben's protagonist, but he absolutely. wants absolutely, you know. I mean, he's the Shane to Rick. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's very much again. Shane. Yes, I would have to watch yes. it. I would have to watch it again, like because I haven't seen it in a few years. I'd have to watch it in the current mindset only because you should. You really should. Like Shane, I hated Shane in the beginning. When I saw Shane during the original run, fuck that guy. I got a little bit older. The show kept going on, and I realized that you know what, Shane had it right. Fuck Rick, and I will. He hold was that already to this day. Shane was already in the mindset of what that world was, and at the time, none of us were because no, we're, we're going. Oh, this is new. To... This is new. That like, what is this? You know, and then we're like, exactly. oh, people are fucking and evil. Like, you have to. So be you this learn. Way. You learn. You know what I mean? That's that's what part of life's about. Yeah. You realize, wow. 
wait a second. And then you realize that Rick's, you know, Rick's no better than anybody else because Rick has the same mindset that every yeah, well, he, but he slowly that becomes have. that way. He slowly becomes that way. You know, but you know? the point is that he does. I mean, he's yeah. no better than anybody else. We'll take this place if they don't fall in line with what we want. That's his whole thing. You know, wait a second. Right. But, but he comes. And dumb it, kid. Yeah, but it also comes from that same mindset that both Harry and Ben have in Night of the Living Dead, which is I know what's best for everybody. And therefore, I feel entitled to do this thing because I know what's best for you. And you should just fall in line or fall, you know, in a well, way. Fair. It's kind of fucking fascist in a weird kind of way when you think about it. Like, it's a oh, little bit enough. of, like, if you're against. But, I mean, is it, though? Like, at the same time, you can almost say, like, it's there's so many. That's just a tribal thing. It's tribal. That doesn't make it fascist. A tribal element is in the same way that Conan is tribal. If you're against fair. me, then you need to die. Right? No, that's fair. That's fair. So, now that we're on our, then we're on our little tangent. Um... Okay, so Conan. Yeah. So what does he do? So now he's facing the two lieutenants, which is Thorgrin and um oh my god, I'm forgetting his name right now. Thorgrin is um is Sven. LaForce. Rexer. Oh my god. So Rexer and Thor now he takes care of Thorgrim first, remember? With the uh the hammer? Yeah, the hammer and the big pulley. Yeah. So it takes care of him. But, you know, Rexer, obviously, is the big lieutenant. And Rexer and him battle with the swords. And what happens? He breaks the sword. Right. Yeah, he shatters his father's yep, sword. Yeah, he shatters father's sword. So father's sword, you know, which again, father's sword gets broken, is no more. And, and he's about what does the inscription to, say he's on your about sword? to kill him. Huh? Yeah. The inscription on the um, sword, what does it say? The inscription on the sword is, if I recall correctly, um, something to the effect of no fear he who wields this in the name of Krom. Something yeah, to that something extent. About Krom. Yes. But um basically, yeah. It's I mean, the inscription, which you know, it's in Sumerian. Wait, is, wait, 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 hold on. Hold that up again? Huh. Let me come. Wait, bring it closer. Yeah, no. Let me see the writing. Uh, some some of that is Hebrew. That's Hebrew. Well, it's style. That's a look. That's a nun. That's a bet. That's a tet. That's a uh. That's a yud. That's a mem. That's so funny. There's Hebrew on your sword. <laughs> well. It's I didn't design. Wait, it. let me see if I can read this. Hold on, hold it, hold it close. Ha, uh, ya ya chav tem be be bechor um chor chon. Oh, that's really cool. I can almost kind of read words on that. That's so interesting. Nice. Very nice. Thank you, Amy. When I got the other one, I had to get I had to get the dad sword. You know what I mean? Like I need both. So, hmm. There's obviously there's an inscription on the Atlantean sword, but I can't remember what it says or what it's supposed to say. So he um, takes care of these lieutenants. He hits them with the yeah, hammer. Well, 
He, he smashes he, the, sword. the sword. He takes yeah. care of Thorgrim, but he's fighting Rexer. Yeah. Rexer breaks the sword. Right. And he's about to deliver the coup de grace to it, to him. Yeah. And who appears? Valeria. Valeria. And she's all Gandalf she the light. Yep. She blinds him with her armor, which and is what exactly what Belit did in Queen of the Black Coast. Okay. It was simply, it wasn't to intervene. It was to give him that fighting chance. She literally blinds the flying gorilla as Valeria blinds Rexer. And, and she Conan says, could take that moment. Come and on, she says, you want to live, live forever? forever? Yeah, which is it's a great line. moment to take him. You know, it's, it's a great wonderful. line, you know, and what it means. What does that mean? Do you want to live forever? It's it's almost like saying stop being scared and take a risk on something that could take your life. Exactly. That's what it means. Do you want to live forever? Because by staying where you are. And it's also kind of figurative because in the sense where when they do it in the movie, when they're doing the heist, if they stay put, they're going to die anyway, or at least, you know, get attacked. They have to yep. jump. They don't have. A, but in the sense of Starship Troopers or World War One, it's like, come on, let's get into the battlefield. If you don't, you're, you're, you're you know, death awaits you. Yeah. You want to just stand away, stand around and wait forever, you know, to live forever. It's a really interesting, thought-provoking phrase, you know. Phrase. No, I'm yeah. with you, um, Daniel. Is it one? I don't. Um, that one that I got is not, and I don't know where the Atlantean sword came from. So neither of them. I mean, they're both they're show pieces. I want a real one, but you know, I don't have five thousand dollars to spend on a sword, you know. Yet. Not today, but you know, I figure if I'm going to have them, I want functioning ones, not ones that'll shatter. So she comes in, she, so she blinds, she she blinds him, yeah. wrecks her, and Conan takes that that reprieve to right take him down, and Thalsa Doom is there in the distance on his horse, mm-hmm. and what does he do? He takes a shot at Yasmina. She's, you know, he's, she's hung up he's there. Kinda, he's kind of a pussy at that point. I was a little disappointed with Thulsa Doom. He's kind of like just rides off. It's like, dude, well, Conan just took out your whole army, bro. He doesn't you can turn have to anything a to prove. It's, you know, I'm here to command and, you know, okay, that didn't work out. I'm going to go. There's, there's, there's a certain confidence at that point. When you command hundreds of people, let's say, well, about hundreds, let's say tens of people. But people that will die just because you tell them to, you have nothing to prove. Yeah, but you know, it's not you're about not there to go it's, it's mono not about mono with anybody. It's like your army is dead. You came here to defeat them. So, you know, well, don't yeah. But so what do you do? Like any smart strategist does. Hey, this isn't working out. You regroup. You walk away and you wait for something better. You don't charge in. That's some dumb movie shit. That's not some shit you would do in real yeah, life. This is some it's dumb movie shit. Battle. Like, you know, no, like, well, let's see yeah, it. but Milius doesn't write it like dumb movie shit. Yeah. Milius writes it from a strategic standpoint. Are you going to rush in? No, it's not going well. You Listen, wait. As, we, as, Ma- as Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek know, only fools rush in. Oh my God. Shut the fuck up. Shut up with your madness. So. He goes and he walks away. 
you know, Doom rides away. Yeah. And they've won. So then he goes at the end. And here's where, you know, it all comes full circle. What does he have in his hand? Um, He has... I don't remember. He has dad's uh, broken sword. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He has dad's broken now, sword. Again, also, Doom is preaching to his. He wants his people to, to his army of people. No, he's like set yourself on fire. Is what he's saying. He's like, you I know, want you all to set yourself on fire. And what happens? You know, he goes in. Now, here's the difference in the cut. In the theatrical cut, he's alone. What am yeah. I missing? Ballad Chris says cringe. he loves it when I do a Would double you? entendre. It makes Chris cringe. Oh, Ballad. Ballad's been really quiet tonight. Brumps. He just got here. Damn you, Ballad. Um, Sup, it's not dog. a party without you, sir. Um, he's, you, listen, he's, you, try, he's he's focusing on school, and I he's doing well on his... Uh, he just did, did really well on a test, and... Well, congratulations. He's, he's, putting, he's, putting the, he's putting his priorities in, in place. I, I, I respect that. Oh, yeah. You know? I respect Ballad. I like Ballad. If I didn't like him, I wouldn't talk to him. Thank you, Amy. See, Amy knows your shit. I like Amy. She's always on. Um, so he goes with his dad's broken sword. Right. And he takes his head. He oh, yeah. kills Doom in front of all his people. Cuts like butter. And again, kind broken of shows, or not. okay, what's, what's mightier? Is it the sword? Is it flesh? Or is it will? It's will. Right. You know? It's the will to, to do something that the other person doesn't want you to do. It's the will to cut through death, <laughs> all these people, and a castle you very hard to infiltrate just to get this man and kill him. This is something he's been going through his whole life. And then he sets it on he fire. And he accomplished it. There's no fire. Yeah, he sets it on fire. Well, the, the the temple, yes. The yeah, temple he burns. take he takes. No, I thought the... you said it sets him on fire. So. No, My he bad. he, My he bad. swings. No, he swings the incense burner or whatever and throws it. And they yeah, all just they... sort of like do that. They just walk. They walk. They um. What's it called? Um, the all the all the people. And then we get the coolest the shot. We get the coolest shot in the whole movie with the coolest voiceover, and it's just him sitting on the throne like a G. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he, they're just talking about the, you know, how he eventually became a king. That was actually one of my favorite parts of the film. I really like that. It's a, it's a great shot. It's a it's great, great shot, shot um, which was supposed to go at the beginning of the movie. And what happened was Dino was worried about Arnold's, like either his makeup or the way he spoke or something. And so Milius compromised and said, okay, we'll take it out of the beginning of the movie. We'll put it at the end of the we'll movie. put it at the end. So that's supposed to open the movie, that end shot. Because we all know that he becomes king. There were a lot right. of changes because he had did, or he was supposed to do a voiceover at the beginning. It was supposed right. to be Conan reading That's I mean, That's what Dino was worried about. Yeah, Dino was worried about the voice. didn't want him to have any doubt. The... He didn't trust yeah. that people could understand him. So they um, stuck it at the end and made so, Mako the. I mean, there's the a guy. lot of there's a lot of little things like that, but movies are found in the edit too. Movies can that's be true. found in the edit, that, and no, you know, that's true. That's or at least true. the movies that we come to love. Like a great example, two great examples of that of movies mm -hmm. that are found in the edit with both Steven Spielberg and Which George one? Lucas. Uh, Star Wars is found in the edit. As we yeah, all know, yes, the the yes, movie is. is is a is a trash fire until George Lucas's wife 
who's an editor. A lot of great women are film editors that have made Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino. Mm -hmm. All these guys yep. work with these these incredible, incredible female editors. And uh, Sally was Sally Menken Menkes Menken something like that. I think that's that's. I know uh, Sally, and I can't pronounce her last name. I think yeah. that's Quentin Tarantino's, uh, or maybe yeah. that's Scorsese's. In any no, case, no, I think it's Quentin's. But Lu on, Lucas, she passed that. away. She passed away. And yeah, work with someone new. Uh, Lucas was freaking out. Wife takes over. She cuts the film and and suddenly, basically, sort of rewrites the you know the film in mm -hmm. a sense and transforms it from like being like schlock you know knock off flash gordon to what it was which by the Even way we did not talk about the fact that dino also produced flash gordon and that flash gordon almost is another example of a movie that the energy is very similar and that i could almost kind of see these two films being like a double feature one in the past and one in the future and just sort of like very sort of similar lavish over the top productions um that would just make for a really good time but the other film is jaws they couldn't get the shark to work bruce the shark could not work and what did we all learn from jaws less is more and what they would do in some cases it was a mere 25 frames. Could you believe that? They trimmed the shark by 25 frames and the they shark went it. from being a, a goofy mess to being this menacing killer that is never seen or seen because only so briefly. The, the perfection sometimes is in the edit. I mean, Robert Rodriguez, back when he used to be an editor and he <laughs> used to make good movies, <laughs> knew that. Well, again, I mean, I'm not going to get into that. The bottom line is when you're being offered 150, 200 million dollar budgets, you do that. You Did play you the like game, Attila? You take your money. Did you like Did that I like, one? I didn't watch it. It was okay. I didn't watch it. It's like I, I'm I not familiar the, I with the. the I, I, yeah, I didn't know the manga at all. I didn't even know it was based I, on it. I have trouble watching Robert without him doing everything because he was so good at doing everything, and you lose that energy when you're when you're him and you're passing it off to an editor and everything else, you know what I mean? When you yeah. have other people shooting your movie rather than you have, it wouldn't be a thing for anybody else, but because he is so very specific and so very talented without him doing it, Mm, it but that's something i'll tell you, know, you something like, i totally agree and i think that if listen if like robert rodriguez is going to make a you, movie Alan. that's any that's fucking good then fucking you got to have him just sort of in all those roles exactly. doing what he it's does like best having, it's like having quentin direct as good as quentin is and he's a fucking god it's like having him direct a script that somebody else wrote it would be weird. It's like it's something I uh, want to see, but it would be weird. No, it'd be he he loses something. And hold on, there's a there's something here I want to address. Um, yes, um, Daniel, the Dark Horse series. Dark Horse series is good. So um, to touch on that, the Marvel stories are very like the like the whole Belit, you know, three years right, which in Marvel was told within a three year period, basically. Um, those stories are very action orientated, you know, monster of the month, all these things, right? They're very basic. The Dark Horse thing, which I like the Dark Horse too. I love the Marvel. I love the Dark Horse 
they're they tell the same story in a different way they tell it from an emotional standpoint you know and so the Coda Belit story is very um, it's very grounded it's very romance and emotion based whereas opposed to the Marvel version was very action based so I think you need to read both of them outside of the story itself the short story is you need to read both of those to get a complete picture of their romance you know because they're told in very different ways and with very different sort of emotional anchors whereas one is like you know he loves her marvel you know he loves her and you know he's learning and all these things but it's very you know monster of the month you know adventure of the month whereas the dark horse one is sort of told in a more emotional coming of age kind of way I would say the only thing I don't like about the dark horse ones is the line, which, you know, tattooed on me, you know, and their memory of be a bitter tree is put in a different place in dark horse way down the line. And I think it loses its poignancy. And so I have issue with that, but really that's it. If I want to nitpick, you know, so, eh, that's my thoughts on that. So, Quentin is your Romero. Quentin is fucking everything. Quentin knows. People like to throw Quentin sort of like, there became this sort of thing within the film industry of, well, he's not that good. He is that good. This is a man who could he's do great. a scene for he 10, 15 minutes about yes. fucking nothing having he to could. do with the movie. And we I agree. sit there. Yes. Eating our popcorn. Yep. Hanging on every fucking word. Just like eating a delicious steak. Uh-huh. Like just, and that's just chewing talent. on a steak. That's what I, I, I couldn't agree more on this on this notion. And Chris and I don't agree on a lot of things, but on on in these matters, we do agree th- uh, unanimously. Another thought I had about Conan as well when I was watching, I would uh-huh. have been I thought it would have been very interesting to see the Milius script but directed by Spielberg, like how Spielberg would have probably injected some Indiana Jonesness into uh, Conan. And it would have been, it wouldn't have been as bloody. It wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been as much nudity, but it definitely would have been very interesting to sort of see um, him try and tackle something like that, that runs parallel to Indiana Jones in a way, but like, you know, in terms of like being like an adventure story, but Mm -hmm. also a lot more adult and mature, you know? Okay, hold that thought for one second because I am going to retort. Ballad, I've watched it probably about fucking nine or ten times now. It's I've only seen it once. Once upon a time? Yeah, I'm waiting to rewatch it. I love that fucking thing and i'm waiting for the four hour cut yes that's why i'm um, waiting i figure i'm just gonna no, the next time no, i watch because it it could be now it could be 10 years from now just watch it well hateful eight came along pretty quick hateful eight is my least favorite film which by the way is also a secret thing movie which i don't know if we discussed that it's kind of a secret thing we've, movie too we've not but we will but hold yeah. it that's interesting. Um, this silly book about Matthew being a CIA. You know what? It's interesting, Matthew. And we're not going to go into it today. But me and Manson run fucking deep. Like deep. So everything with Manson, 
I delve into. Um, there's a family connection, long story. We're not going into it, but Manson shit is deep for me. Um, I so, swear Jeff gets better every while. <laughs> Jeff, it gets, see it, listen to Ballad and watch the movie. I, um, I have been itching. See. I've been itching to sort of every once, every couple of years, I like just sit down and watch all of his films in a row and I just uh-huh. take them in and I like, I've been very apprehensive about revisiting Once Upon a Time because I really, like, I'm really curious to see the four-hour cut, and I feel like if I watch it again, because I'm not, I don't think it's... There's no planned release, though. I thought it 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 was going to be, I thought it was coming to Netflix. It was my understanding. No. It's coming to Netflix. Trust me, and when it's coming, you'll know, because I won't stop talking about it. Um, So, back to Conan. Well, so, why don't you give us, you know what I would like, you know how I'd like to sort of wrap this up? Huh. I want you to tell, it's coming. I want you to, hours. I want you, yes. yeah, of course, of course you could. I want you to recommend, um, why don't you recommend like some short stories, some of the short stories, like the source material or even the comic books. What are five essential com, uh, Conan comic book recommendations that you would want to give the listeners of the show who watches in the future. Well, I'll give you five generals. I mean, bottom line, start with Queen of the Black Coast. It's okay. like, what, like 11, 12 pages, maybe 17 pages. It's short, but it is the foundation of a lot of what Conan is and who he is. Because he carries that shit to death. Like, sure, he marries eventually. He takes his queen. Zenobia. Um, he has kids? But, yeah, he has a kid. But the bottom line is, she hey, he loves her. Yeah. But she's not believed. And, she, you know, and he's very, very clear about that. I love you. You're not her. And no one will ever be her. Ouch. Um, so, Queen of, the, Queen of the Black Coast. Red Nails, if you've seen the movie red nails because you know get your get your like valeria honest and and pure and this is who the character actually is um other than that i mean there's so many hour of the, the dragon. dragon you could read yeah. you could read the marvel version the comic oh, they did version. A, they did an the adap- adaptation in marvel yeah they did that's really cool but you could you could do that you could read the book and then compare that against cole the conqueror movie Okay. And go, hmm. Um, <laughs> so that's a good one. If you're into Queen of the Black Coast, then I would say, yeah, read the Marvel and then read the Dark Horse and use both of those as getting the whole picture because it's very complete in that way. David says um, the Elephant Tower. Um, yes, the Tower of the Elephant is a great one. That's definitely worth reading. Um, the Frost Giant's Daughter. It's like a whopping like what? six seven pages something like that you could read that in like 15 minutes but pete powerful. says nameless cults is a good book that robert e howard and hp lovecraft that hp lovecraft collaborated collaborated in, in. On. interesting you know. thank you daniel yes i mean all of these things daniel knows his stuff you know peter knows his stuff you know, jump on those. Um, other than that, Daniel says I mean, there are three books: Coming of Conan, The Bloody Sword of Conan, and another one I forget. 
those will, those will break down all the short stories for you. They're worth, you know, all of them. Just, you know, keep in mind they're from a different time. So don't get all offended when he calls every black person, you know, because he does. Um, it's a different time. You know, just go with it. Never be offended by by art. That's my motto. You know, it's not personal. Uh, did Red Nails ever came out? Are you talking about the animated movie, Daniel? Because no, it didn't. It was never finished. Um, as usual, rights problems, much like the, um, was it Thailand? The Thailand ad, uh, adaption of, what was it? The Thai adaption of, I'm blanking right now. Anyways, didn't come out. That'll never come out, and that movie was completed. Um, rights issues. So right now, there's only Conan, Conan the Destroyer, and Jason Momoa Conan. Which I would say, if you've ever been refusing to watch it because, you know, just watch it. Give it a shot. It's not a bad film. It's not a bad Howard-like style film. It's just, you know, it does have some script problems, and Jason Momoa is not Arnold. You know, that's kind of hard to beat Arnold. <laughs> we can do that, Matthew. Well, eventually we'll go into that. I mean, we talked about it the first time a little bit, but we'll go into it. Um, so, other than that, any last thoughts, Jeff? Um, I'm really glad that I watched uh, Conan and also watched this Milius doc. I learned a lot. Uh, it's very Milius. Is, I, I mean, I knew, you know, what's funny is I knew about Milius. I knew all of Milius's work. I just didn't realize that it that this was the guy and that he was integral in the USC crew that I knew all about. You know, Walter Murch and uh, dude who directed Grease. And of course, you know, Martin Scorsese and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg Steven and Spielberg. whatnot. Yes, he Coppola. was part of that crew. Yeah. Coppola. It's pretty, and he, not only that, he was the leader. He was like the leader of the pack. So it's like, it was really cool to learn about all that. And I definitely, I already knew Red Dawn. I'd seen Red Dawn in the past. Oh, fuck so, yeah. you know, Red Dawn's amazing. Um, Red Dawn is what like really kind of got him blacklisted and whatnot. But yeah, no, it was definitely, it, it was well, really cool. Red Dawn and his, he's a victim. If, if we could swing it around, not if we can, because of course we can. But I'll say this because of the audience. He is very much like someone else we could talk about, very much a victim of the image he created and locked into it. Oh, and yeah. it hurt him, you know, but he created it and he felt trapped by it. And it's like, I have to be this. I need to walk into a meeting, put a 45 on the table and say, okay, now we can talk. Who the fuck does I that? I know exactly what you are mm -hmm. talking about right now. Yeah. And if you know what I'm problem. talking about, I know what you're talking about right now. And that's the problem. Is that is the problem. This thing, so yes. he, it's like, do you ignore it or do you just live up to it? No. Even though it's like, it's, eh, it's uh, probably not a good idea. It, and that's what Milius did. And you just and shoot, you him shot in himself in the foot. Shot himself so in the foot. So many times. And that's yep. why you have Coppola. Lucas Spielberg. Yeah. Why well, I didn't know who Milius was. I didn't uh, know yeah. who Milius was. That's, the problem. that's why. And I'm a film you know. guy, right? And I, I know, know that's what surprises was. me about that. No, yeah, but I'm also know. not an. I'm also not like a dick and like gonna pretend to know something that I don't. If I don't know, no, something, I appreciate. I don't and know, now you know. know. I appreciate yeah, for sure. you being honest with me. Yeah, because for sure. 
very much so. A lot of people, oh, a lot of people go, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. Of course, I know that. I don't. I don't no, know everything. Know I'm learning." Guys like that. You know, my dad. The one thing I'll say about this, I really got to wrap this up because I got to get to sleep. Okay. My dad. Okay. My dad. Like he'd always be like, "Oh, you've never seen that movie. You're like a film guy. Like you should have seen that movie." I'm like, Dad. Like I'm not in a a. Like fuck you, Dad. Like I'm not in a rush to like see like every like classic renowned film and i'll tell you something sometimes classic and renowned films are overrated or you know not sometimes. that classic and renowned you know like but it was just always like he always was like i can't believe you've never seen that i'm like i'm in no rush maybe i'm just sort of getting to it and over time you know I, i'll start i'll surprise my dad i'll be like oh dad i just watched suddenly with frank sinatra from 1954 which by the way if quentin tarantino remade a fucking movie i would want him to remake suddenly which would be so good and i could totally picture quentin tarantino doing like a reservoir dog style thing but with suddenly it would just fucking work so well that if you haven't seen yo if you haven't seen suddenly i did an ep i did a video on here uh five films i would want quentin tarantino to make it's like you got to dig for it um and that was one of my that was one of my picks uh in addition to some other stuff so check we will out. have a we will have a part two to conan because i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring my friend lisa on who is she knows your conan shit like nobody's business and she um she cosplays or she has cosplayed as valeria and she works for sandal bergman or works with her so She's she's someone to have on, and I'm glad I see behind it. me there. What's behind me? Uh, that is a belief poster. Oh, see, I'm serious about my shit. You're dude. serious about your shit. Yeah, I'll fuck around. Um, we have a wonderful. Thank. I'd like to thank Chris for and thank you, Ballad. Yeah, support, buddy. Always. Um, I'd like to thank Chris so much for uh, pushing for this episode. Like I said, I got to learn some stuff, which is always fun. I love learning about new things. You know, I love I love talking about the shit that I know a lot about, but I also love learning. It's a lot of fun. Um, so it was a great episode. Um, stay tuned next week when I pick something and I already know what it is. And I cannot wait to fucking talk about it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Chris, how do we say goodbye on this on this show, on this channel? We say goodbye, but peace. Yeah. Peace. Oh, you know what? I You just inspired me to change it. Peace and hair grease. That's the new way to do it. You just you just invented that. Well, you're welcome. Peace and hair grease. That's how we say goodbye. Have a good night.